this is Spotlight on the IndieCorner.com. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. JP, you're back. How's it going? Not too bad. Yeah, long time no speak. Um, we missed not you, you. I see you all the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting listening to the last one. I was I was away at the time, but um, now back. One thing I've got an issue to get away with starts on Ian Beale. <laughs> I didn't say you were Ian Beale. What I said you were like Ian Beale's. I don't know stepbrother or something or half brother there's still guilt by association mate do you remember Ian Bill's half brothers were David and Simon Wicks they were alright oh that's Lafarios. true that's true players alright this has changed I'll take Wixie yeah there you go <laughs> oh, well, you I'll met him take Wixie uh, I did meet Michael French the yeah, actor David Wicks yeah yeah when I was about I don't know, about 12 years old he was outside a sweet shop in, uh, in a North London suburb called Southgate <laughs> it, it wasn't an it wasn't an exciting experience. Not nearly as interesting as the time Daley Thompson told me to fuck off, but that's def- another story for another time. I feel like there's a good story to that, JP. Now we've got to hear it. I'm going to keep it for the for the one day for the mythical Patreon page. <laughs> well, maybe we do like our favourite decathletes or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could work. I had you back, JP. I had you down as a London gangster, and I do feel like the Wicks brothers is kind of along those lines, so it could work. I'll take that. Yeah, no, I think this David Wicks was a bit dodgy at times, wasn't he? He had, uh, he had an affair with Cindy. He set up the shooting of Ian oh, Bill. Without trying to sound too bad, who didn't have an affair with Cindy at some point in that show? Well, you didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, the only hey. the only Wicks brother that didn't, maybe. <laughs> Ian Bill got around as well, you know. Ian Bill's had his, uh, had his fair share over the years. Oh, God, he has, isn't he? <laughs> now, I've fallen out with soaps a lot. I, the time I'll end up seeing it is Christmas. Mm-hmm. I realise I'm going to end up watching some of them at Christmas, normally far too much. And I take that as the as the area to catch up on, on all of the soaps. Good plan. The minute. And before we talk about the, the soap opera that is British wrestling. Oh, oh yeah. well and true. Oh, well, oh, what a segue. What have you been up to, Joe? <laughs> uh, what have I been up to? Uh, the, the usual. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing exciting. Um, not meeting Daley Thompson or David Wicks, unfortunately. But oh. did see uh, Ken Clark the other day, walked right past him. He was smaller than me. <laughs> uh, I can't, unfortunately, I had no celebrity sightings. I've been away. I was in Poland for a while, but I bumped into oh, some yes. uh, some neo-Nazi Tommy Robinson supporters. We had a bit of an argument oh. in a bar. That was fun. It might wow, have been the Ring Camp t-shirt I was wearing at the time. I don't know if it's that, but... Other than that, I had a great time in Poland. It's a great country. Or it might be those neo-Nazi looks that you sport, Benno, with your That's Aryan it. blonde hair and fair features. <laughs> oh, appreciate you saying blonde, mate. I mean, strawberry blonde's probably as far as I go. The, the cruel might say ginger, but... <laughs> so where did you go to in Poland? I went to Krakow and Warsaw. We went to Krakow about 10 years ago, uh, like me and a group of my mates. And we used to, we tried to like go to a different Eastern European city every ever since, like every year or so. But we've gotten old now, JP. So yeah, it's been yeah. a, it had been a little while. So we tried to do like a bit of a reunion one. We did both Krakow and Warsaw in the same trip. Five days, far too old for five days on the booze. But That's the food's good. Five. Yeah. Off, yeah, you're getting honestly. anything beyond two mate you're doing quite well <laughs> I'd, ha- I'd highly recommend it though we did some cultural stuff as well but yeah they're both great cities both so cheap it's like one pound 40 for a pint 
Um, look good beer as well you're having there those they're very sort of yellowy pint i saw in one picture they look great what oh the big that? piper beer yeah that was in uh, in krakow in uh, ck browall which is a brewery i would highly re- anyone goes out this is my graps and claps are anyone ever goes out to poland head to there in krakow if you go to warsaw go to the secret gardens which is this cool little it's like even the locals don't know about it it's like this hipster area with these little boxes that are basically bars there's 22 of them in a row all next to each other they've all got huge basements and they've all been like painted up differently one's like a twin peaks theme one one's like a comics theme one there wasn't any wrestling themes ones unfortunately yeah if you're ever out there head to the secret gardens that's the place to be and yeah that's where i had the the unfortunate argument with the racists as well uh but yeah highly recommend a place to go and definitely a definitely a worthwhile trip well you made it back to the land of the living somehow Oh, Somehow got away with it. So I was on my couch for about two days afterwards, just sitting there watching Seinfeld, um, just trying to bring myself back into reality. But yeah, certainly worth it. And yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely recommend anybody uh, head out there if you fancy a, a cheap few days away. Um, but yeah, I mean, while I was away, I did caught a little bit of wrestling. I watched a little bit of British wrestling. I couldn't help myself but watch some WWE while I was out there. If uh, you guys, before we get into the Brit Res stuff, have you guys been uh, been watching much uh, outside of the uh, the Brit Res canon? Yeah, I watched. Uh, I watched the NXT Takeover show. Watched um, a bit, a little bit of Survivor Series, four matches, and mm. watched the uh, Joey Janela show, which was interesting <laughs> yeah and unique as always so yeah a little bit here and there yeah um i haven't actually i must confess i don't know about you guys but i haven't seen any um uh, any of tag league mm. tag, i don't tag league you were at tag no league. not tag league um but in new japan oh right no yeah. like, nor have i i'm no, so, no interest yes, the world uh, version and the non-world version ah oh, right okay because it, I don't know, for you, Benno, does it hold any interest at all? I feel completely ambivalent about it. I was hoping there'd be a few surprise teams, and that would have been the thing to get my interest in. But when no. it became, you know, my dream of ring camp being there, just thinking, yeah, well, that's not going to happen, and I just lost all interest. Mm-hmm. You dream of Matt Riddle last year, just Tag oh, League doesn't no. work out for you, does it? I don't like Tag League. I haven't no. liked it in the last few years. No. I'm not enjoying it. I think the only highlight New Japan have got is possibly the fact that Bushi might beat Goto for the Never title and then event and then Wrestle Osprey yeah. Wrestle Kingdom. Not bad. That's like the one thing in New Japan that I'm kind I of looking forward the to. The All Japan the Tag League looks more interesting than the New Japan Tag League. Really? Yeah, it looks quite good. Yeah, it looks like there's some decent stuff going over there at the moment. Miyahara and Yoshi Tatsu, Akiyama and Daisuke Sakamoto teaming up as well. It's just not the time in the world, is there, to watch it? There's it's not. Like, there's not. Ever since I've been back, I, mean, I mean, the big topic we're going to be talking about later, I mean, there's been a big bit of a breaking news thing on uh, on NXT UK and some contract mm-hmm. situations, and we were going to do a roundtable on that, but we're also going to do a, a roundtable on maybe the oversaturation that we've got at the moment in Britain, but it's true worldwide as well, isn't there? There's so much to watch. I mean, while I was away, I was kind of trying to keep an eye on all that stuff, trying to keep an eye on uh, WWE goings on. I was away while the uh, all of the gifts started popping up of Nick Gage and David Arquette, which certainly oh. piqued my interest. I didn't see any of the rest of that show, but it did make me want to go and check that thing out. I think that, that have thing you seen tre- that match? I've seen the match. Yeah, that thing was trending. I mean, it was on all kinds of news sites and stuff, wasn't it? Uh, David Arquette yeah. still got a, he's still got a bit of star value there. You know, we still be wearing entirely it, wrong. It helps the fact as well that Patricia Arquette has just had a big Showtime thing released like oh, that, this weekend. Yeah, the thing was, is it Benicia Del Toro's? That's right, and yeah. Ben Stiller's directed. So it yeah. felt like her name was that, and she was 
she was obviously commenting on it because it was her brother who was bleeding from his throat. I forgot mm. it was his sister until I saw yeah. that. I was like, Rosanna, oh, yeah, they are related, aren't they? It's yeah, it's like what you're saying, Benno. There is still that kind of, especially within social media circles, that star power that he has. Mm. And the fact that he's always going to be so memorable. Um, what, what do we all think of it? Oh yeah, match of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I to be honest, like. Firstly, I, I it was just the gifts that I was watching, just for shock value, and I was kind of watching yeah. different angles of the, you know, that same point when he kind of panics, turns over, cuts his own neck, and then just basically tries to walk out, and then comes back and gets it was like a shoot judo throw he got beaten by. Um, so yeah. I saw that a million times before I watched the actual match. But when I watched the actual match, and I saw him flying through the ropes with his chair and. You know, giving oh, it giving right. it a go. I, I felt I felt you know I thought uh, David Arquette, considering what he got himself in for, up until that point, he was doing quite well. I knew nothing about the match, and I watched it, mm. so I didn't know any of this stuff was going to happen. <laughs> and I was like, I was just for David Arquette and Nick Gage. That's something I must watch. <laughs> and my God, it didn't disappoint. And I'm so glad I knew nothing about it because I was like running it back, trying to work out what was going on, <laughs> trying to work out what had happened at what point. It was fascinating stuff. I've got to say, Nick Gage is a very unique sort of charisma. Yeah. I describe him as my guilty pleasure. Like I've really enjoyed whatever I've seen of Nick Gage this year, and I kind of never thought I would say that. Listen to JP uh, give Nick Gage a proper kick in over WrestleMania mm. weekend. I think you may, may have even come around to a bit of Nick Gage yourself now, eh? I think there's... <laughs> maybe it's... There is something about him that he does have a real charisma about him. Mm. It is undoubted, undoubted. His matches are shite. Like, there's no getting beyond <laughs> I that. I thought this match was great. But That's the, this, the most I've ever enjoyed a death match, maybe. It probably is. And it's partly because there was the sense of real, genuine danger about it. Because mm. one of the people was... It felt genuinely the, exciting. It, it was. was and that spectacle. made it exciting. I said to you, the thing it reminded me of the most was um, Benno... Uh, sorry, uh, was Osprey Benno? Uh, Freudian slip. Well, was career. Osprey versus Vader? <laughs> oh, yeah. In terms of just the sheer spectacle of watching something mm. that is kind of a car crash, but at the same time it is watchable, and you just you are captivated by it, and that's how I felt. And, and as I've said many times on here, not a deathmatch fan. Mm. Don't enjoy them. We didn't even stay for the main event of one like the other weekend. Oh, weekends. yeah, when we were at Kamikaze Pro. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was... We'll go on to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, this one was actually, as a death match, and having that real sense of danger about it and it being quite scary, God, this had it. Mm. Yeah, that was it. And it's kind of like... I, I saw people giving... And I don't think the wrong say, or, you know, David Arquette, maybe got himself into something i think he said himself didn't he, in a statement that he didn't really know what he was getting himself in for and i've seen people criticizing the fact that you put him in that position but he's worked a few matches this year hasn't he? he's kind of it's not like he's untrained it's not like another thing I, I think i saw people saying oh well you know he's not been trained for that style of match i don't think there's such a thing as a death match school i think you just turn up and you get what happens to you happens to you, and you get shown the way by somebody like a like a Nick Gage. Um, I don't particularly think it was. I've heard people say it was irresponsible to have him in the match, and that it was a bad idea. I, I don't know. I mean, they got maybe maybe I'm being callous, but they definitely got the attention they were after. Uh, maybe he's never going to do it again. And yeah, it, things certainly went wrong. But like he said, they they more went wrong, didn't they? Because he panicked rather than inherently because of anything happening in the death match. It was your, it was just your usual death match spot, wasn't it? Just just went awry. Yeah, most definitely. Like it was, 
I'm. It was horrible, but at the same time, it was just absolutely fascinating. I couldn't take my eyes off it. Mm. It's something that I can see myself going back to watch again because it was just so unique as a matchup. Like from this year, that is a match that I will absolutely remember. Like JP just said, there we were at another death match the other day. We were down at Kamikaze Pro checking that out, and perfectly good show i gotta say we'll talk about it in a second but the main event was a death match between jimmy avoc mm. spike trevay clint margera and some young lad in a tag team called the bled named after a band i loved when i was like 17 and they came out to the opening song from their album so i was loving that <laughs> good work clint margera on that but after that i was like right jimmy avoc's coming out how long is it going to take another beer got to the venue actually first thing i see jimmy avoc having a beer be on the merch stand <laughs> Jimmy Abbott walks past me, another beer in hand. Jimmy Abbott comes out for a match. He's got no beer in hand, AFI entrance, thinking, oh, okay, cool. Clint Margera comes out, kind of fosters out the back pocket, cracks it open. Jimmy Abbott, spying away, drinking a beer. I just thought to myself, nah, I've had enough. I don't want to watch this shite. I'm fed up a beery Abbott. Like, mm. that's, to me, that's what I now associate with death matches because Jimmy Abbott and Clint Margera have turned death matches into, yeah, just have a little rut with your mates and crack open a few cans while you're at it. It's like a night down the pub with a bit of violence, basically, but in a, in a, in a regulated ring, if anything. So, yeah. yeah. David, who knew that David Arquette would be the man to bring credibility back to death matches for you, Joe? But it sounds like... I know. Jesus. <laughs> and a convicted criminal. There you go. There was a, speaking of spectacle matches, I suppose. I mean, very, very briefly, did you? I assume you both watched Brian Brock. That was another thing I watched on my uh, yeah, on my travels great. on the train yeah. from uh, Warsaw to Krakow. Uh, as I was hanging out to myself, I, I sat down for half an hour and watched that thing. Um, I haven't actually haven't spoke to either of you about it. What did you make of it? Um, I loved it. It was it, it, it had me. It was worked in the way that it should be worked and. Mm. I even got the impression at points, and maybe I'm just reading far too much into it, but there was almost like the kind of Brock was being deliberately sloppy at points. There was like an, it, it felt like how it felt with the AJ Styles match, where he knew he was in there with someone who is really good, is going to play to his strengths, and was happy then to kind of sell for the big comeback because it it had me around that section because it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they would just have Brock crush Daniel Bryan. That's not. An unreasonable thing to well, think. Well, that was the plan at that. Yes, they made you believe that, didn't they? I was sat there, kind of. Mm. I think my biggest critique of the match was that part maybe went too long. But what yeah, I will say for yeah. it is they absolutely made me believe that this was just going to be a squash and Brock was yeah. going to put one foot on him and pin him. So <laughs> I bought the work, absolutely. It's really interesting because they played into your kind of fears, doubts, and like the issues that surround mm. both men. So Brock looking like he was going to do one of those Brock matches where he doesn't give a fuck, he turns up, collects a paycheck. They played into that, but they also played into like the fears that people have of Brian uh, because of his previous concussion issues and all the rest of it. Mm. Uh, and there were lots of hard spots, but he was throwing around, looked horrible. So they played into uh, like what they know the fans are thinking in a sort of real context rather than a kayfabe context. But that really worked within mm. the match and mm. kind of established the dynamic in the match. So even though Brian had turned heel, it by default still made the fans care about him and made me care about him. Mm. I didn't want to see him get crushed. So as soon as the comeback started, it was just a perfectly worked match. I thought it was really well laid out, but it sort of 
to me, spoke volumes again about WWE's weird booking at the same time. Mm. The fact that Brian has turned heel, and could he not turn heel after the match? Very odd in that respect, but still, nothing to take away from the match. It was absolutely awesome for what it was. Mm. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as the AJ match last year. I thought the AJ match had the same dynamic, but it felt a bit more, I don't know, a bit more organically worked match. There was something about Brian having to get the big low blow for that to be the turning point. That with the AJ match, they did a bit more. It was more a case. I think Brock missed something in the corner, and AJ started using his speed and taking advantage. I don't know. Maybe that's them working me, my inner smart mark, not liking that Brian's not on equal pregnant with Brock, and he is much smaller. So I suppose you know, there's there's obviously a, a logic issue there as well. But yeah, there was something about the, the match that I really liked. But I mean, I. I on the grapple app, shout out to Gareth. I only gave it four stars, and I say only. That's still you know a pretty good rating. I probably would have gone higher for for AJ and Brock, but that doesn't mean I didn't like it. I still think it was a, a really really strong match, if not like in my uh, match of the year considerations. I'd go four and a quarter. I mm. think on that one on the on the old grapple app. So there you go. I think I gave it four and a quarter. Ah, nothing like an argument over quarter stars, eh? <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so, just as, uh, as Dave Meltzer knows. Uh, anything else you've been watching you want to talk about before we get to the Brit Res stuff? Have you been uh, keeping an eye on speaking of Meltzer or the All Elite Wrestling News and all of uh, yeah. all the tidbits that he's... It almost feels like Brian Alvarez and uh, that Garrett guy are having to squeeze out of Dave. He's definitely involved, isn't he? He's definitely giving them advice on... On what oh, they're supposed God, to do yeah. that. Is it the Jacksonville Jaguar owner um, or yep. his son who's who's putting this all together, who's an Observer dis- uh, subscriber? I love when Meltzer puts in the Observer just how long uh, he, he put in that he's been a subscriber for 15 years or something like that. I love that he That's keeps kind of worry. this type of stuff. It kind would of he, he do up? that for everyone and just say, you've been a subscriber <laughs> for nine years, why are you giving me grief about it? Some I data protection issues there, I would say, JP. Yeah, exactly. You can't just go blurting this stuff out. <laughs> What's GDPR like in the US, though? I don't know. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, whatever. Uh, maybe I've gone down the wrong wrong route here. But wanted wanted to say that, like, with the All Elite Wrestling, I suppose this is, again, we're going to be referring to it throughout the night. But going on to all the news that we've had today, mm. I really fucking want it to succeed. And I'm yeah. not that bothered about about them, like, at this point for me it's like it's it's fine i'll give it a go but i won't be emotionally invested now i'm thinking if it's some way of being able to get different forms of wrestling out there without it being sort of immediately like having a a, a like pincer movement go in and it's to try and rip it apart i'm all i'm good with it yeah you're not too bothered about them you paid 20 pound for a picture with them yep it's fine. <laughs> and do you know what? If it led to them starting up this company in good fucks, then I'll give them 40 next time. Okay. Maybe yeah. we should start going to some Fulham matches, give them some money as well, eh? Uh, let's not go too yeah. much. Uh, <laughs> I like Ranieri. So. Uh, well, we lost him at the weekend, so, you know, I'm reeling from that. Uh, yeah, I hope it succeeds. All power to them. Um, Rumours are they're not doing the MSG show, but so mm. that sucks because, you know, mm. I think... Omega not being on that show really, you know, puts a dent in um, that on that weekend. If anything, it um, Ring of Honor for me. I mean, I yeah. Ring well, of Honor. I'm not. I'm barely interested in anyway. But their big selling point, isn't it, that the part of that triumvirate with New Japan, Ring of Honor, CMLL. I suppose you can chuck Rev Pro in there as well. Once you yeah. take, once you if, if if this all elite takes off and they've got the all the elite guys involved. I wonder what happens with the New Japan relationship, whether they steal that from under Ring of Honor's feet and, like I say, they'd already be losing 
their big American slash Canadian talent if they can't use the elite guys as well. Uh, if anything, yeah, I wouldn't say worries me because I haven't really cared about Ring of Honor for years, but it does in some ways worry me about their future as much as anything. But hey, competition's a good thing. Well, but 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 Ring of Honor itself, it's owned by a ridiculously wealthy company mm. in Sinclair, which immediately kind of makes me lose a lot <laughs> of sympathy for them as a result. Yeah. They could afford to give them the kind of contracts yeah. that that they might want. If they wanted to do it, they could do it, but they mm. don't. And you often get the feeling that a lot of the regulars there are either underpaid, undervalued, just underutilized uh, in any a lot of the times like a lot of the undercard some of the, the good guys end up going elsewhere. But one of the things I know is like, say, Jonathan Gresham, who's finally starting to get some semblance of a push and has got a match at final battle with Zack Sabre Jr., which I will watch. Mm. Like, how long has it taken for him to get to that if position? It, if this was 2007, Gabe Ring of Honor, Zack Sabre Jr. would have been booked five years ago. Like, the fact yeah. that he's making his Ring of Honor, day, especially with them having the New Japan relationship as well, that just sums them up, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, Ring of Honor, I think, for years now has been coasting. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I've heard before that when they booked Marty and Osprey, um, I know the person who told Delirious to book Marty and Osprey, and he didn't know who Marty and Osprey were, which to me speaks volumes about how much scouting goes on and how much awareness there is of the, the world outside of Ring of Honor and, say, WWE in New Japan. Mm. So I think Ring of Honor has just been coasting for years. They mm. book really lackluster cards. They've missed out on a lot of key talent over the years. You think of some of the indie guys who haven't gone through Ring of Honor in the last few years, yeah. and it's pretty shocking, to be honest. They didn't have a ricochet. They didn't have Matt Riddle. They didn't get Hero, really, when he came back out on the indies as well. They had Keith Lee. Look what happened there. They've got a shocking record the last few years and they've kind of been able to mask that by having the young bucks and cody front and center the last couple of years mm. um and having omega and occasionally even new japan guys but really i think they're a promotion and have got so little criticism mm. but have deserved so much more than has been kind of aimed at them because the booking has been so stale and so uninteresting well, for a number of years now ultimately they're lo- they're going to end up probably losing the group that never really belonged to them in the first place mm. It was it was a creation entirely of those wrestlers and a combination of New Japan owning certain kind of trademarks, really. And Ring of Honor were lucky there to be able to say, look, if you want to be in the US, we are going to give you these shows, but without any kind of booking infringements really on them, mm. which meant that they were never used, I think, as well as they could have been done at times. And they would never position anyone else to be able to take up as really viable challenges to them. So I think for me, a lot of the, the problem with Bullet Club and Elite storylines is they, they're kind of these self-enclosed universes where it's very hard for other people to get in unless it's people who they like, like mm. Adam Page and Flip Gordon. And because Ring of Honor have never penetrated that, like they're going to leave and take their fan base with them and they're not going to feel any connection to the rest of the Ring of Honor shows. They don't come That's out saying, oh, what about this match? Or what, mm. about, what about, you know, they might talk about Flip Gordon, but Again, ultimately, Flip Gordon will probably go with them at some point. Well, he's signed a new two-year contract, hasn't he? So yeah. he's tied in there for a couple of years. But I can't see who else to bring it in that's mm. really going to carry the ship. I know Jeff Cobb's coming in. I know Marty's there. If this all elite stuff kicks off. Marty's obviously going he's there as go. well, isn't he? Like, that they just have not invested in good new talent for the longest time and got them over and when they have got talent in they've not really put them in good positions they had osprey and they did nothing with osprey 
Well, it's like you compare them. Like, I'm always going to compare, like, this Ring of Honor to Tape Trading Day's Ring of Honor. And the big argument's always going to be, no, these are the glories of Ring of Honor because they're, they're drawing bigger houses now. You know, they're, they're having record years. And I genuinely think the only reason they're drawing houses and having record years is the sheer amount of Bullet Club t-shirts in the crowd. And I think if you take that element away, you're left with a very bland one-hour TV oh, product. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be tuning in to watch Jay Lethal against the BSCT Bruiser. Uh, I'm sorry, but yeah. it's just not for me. And um, you look at the tag team division as well. It's just constant rotation of SoCal Uncensored versus mm-hmm. the Briscoes versus the Young Bucks. Just on rotation over and over. They don't bring anyone new. Oh, Vinnie Marseglia and the other bloke. And oh, the King Matt of- Haven. Like, these guys are so uninterested. If Vinnie Marseglia, I don't know, but broke into my house wouldn't know it was him i've no <laughs> idea what it like looks like seen his name written down seen a couple of his matches i'm a must of but just so unnotable yeah. there's just no one that's gone through there in the last few years that's been new and fresh and done anything apart from but, flip gordon really but delirious has kind of escaped all level of criticism massively, about a lot of this massively mm. I've, I've been saying this to you yeah, yeah. For years before we did this podcast i was saying all this to you mm. and it's i just don't know why they've never been lumped with criticism and I don't know why the mainstream kind of outlets... I don't know. You never hear Meltzer or Alvarez really railing on Ring of Honor when they do their reviews of their shows. It's always very like, yeah, this was good. Yeah, this was good. There's never any analysis of their booking in the way there's analysis of, say, WWE or New Japan booking. It's always just very sort of middle of the road, like, yeah, that was fine, sort of analysis, if that makes mm. sense. And I think that, yeah, they've been... They've escaped a lot of criticism over the years. Yeah, I did notice that uh, F4W website's got a really good logo. Uh, I don't know if there's any uh, truth to those rumours that Delirious may be designed at once upon a time. I don't want to throw Big Dave under the bus, but there's definitely some sort of a relationship there. Yeah, it is a bit odd the way they've kind of uh, they've gotten away with it, and yeah, never never really gotten the criticism. Um, but yeah, I wonder if that'll uh, that'll change when uh, when the elite guys do leave. Uh, well, it needs to happen, that's all I'll say. Definitely. Anything else you want to talk before we get into the Brit Rest stuff? No, I think that's all good on that. Ah, good stuff. Um, I mean, we talked about it off air, but I'll ask you again, what do you think of the Brit Rest stuff? We've got a few shows we got to, we went and watched. The, there has been this big news today. Uh, where should we start? Well, let's start with some of the the, the kind of the smaller shows mm. that we. Well, you mentioned earlier you went you you guys got off to uh, to Kamikaze Pro. You didn't get to Welsh wrestling. I was very disappointed in you, Joe, after our last uh, show that well, you didn't make it there. What blame, happened there? Blame JP. Yeah. So he didn't fancy it in the end. He was ill. No, so, no, I wanted to watch the uh, Ireland versus the All Blacks. Oh, you said to me you were ill. You no, I was hungover <laughs> as well. From I was slightly knackered, tired, okay. emotional from that. But it was no, I was very clear on. Ireland All Blacks, which I have to say was amazing. So I was more than happy to have watched that. Yeah, so your green loyalties came before your uh, wrestling loyalties on that day. Yep, at this point. Disappointing. (laughs) I'll be honest, Welsh wrestling wasn't one I wanted to go to on my own. It would have looked a bit worrying if I turned up on my (laughs) own to a show that loads of kids were in attendance for, I think. So I didn't want to be uh, that bloke. I checked cage match, Joe, and there were no results either. It was just like there was no coverage for this show after you went. I hope hope you're happy. Uh, Well, the service I could have done for Welsh wrestling, you know, maybe if they offered me a VIP ticket and sat me in like an ivory tower, I could have been there uh, doing results, getting it on cage match or the rest of it, you know, eating some slices of Domino's that they were probably selling at the show as well and all the rest of it. 
Oh, well, maybe yeah. there'll be another one at some point. I think they are going to be near in, in Oxfordshire in around between Christmas and New Year. But yeah, it depends your, whether or not we're doing your research. Uh, someone at work told us. All right. Yeah. Um, told us they saw a poster up. So let's not give up on the Welsh wrestling. I'm not traveling. Just, I'm yeah. not traveling to Whitney to see Welsh wrestling. Oh, you are. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was. Uh, where did you have to travel to for Kamikaze? Was that worth the trip? That yeah, was, that was good. Coventry to Coventry, which um, it's a really good venue. Coventry Empire. Yeah, mm. yeah. It, like, so it's, it's what you know. You just think about music venues being good in terms of the lighting and um, the general the general setup and the acoustics. It works quite well. Had a good spot there. Um, not kind of biggest crowd. How many would you say? A couple of hundred. Yeah, about two hundred, maybe two to three hundred. Yeah, but. In terms of the talent on the cards, it was really stacked. So yeah, um, I mean, one of the, the probably the, the big match of the cards, not including the death match in that, was you had a Team White Wolf versus Aussie Open versus um, Anti Fun Police, but this is Sergeant Suplex, Millie McKenzie, and uh, Damian Dunn, and uh, who was the other team? Oh, the Hunter Brothers mm. came in. So that was like kind of suitably wild. And they all, you know, they all seem to be enjoying themselves. I mean, Millie McKenzie's really good at doing comedy as well. Like yeah. She was great doing the anti-fun police stuff. But it made me realise just how many opportunities she's taken advantage of. She's done serious wrestling everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then she's putting her hand at comedy here as well. Like For someone of her age, she's managed to diversify the types and the styles of wrestling that she's been able to kind of... I don't know, work on mm. like really well for someone of her age. So much better than some of the other um, female wrestlers in the UK, if anything. I think she's a really smart worker and she worked really well in this match with the, with the blokes, if anything. She didn't seem out of place at all, did she? No, not at all. We never think we, you know, we, you think of her now and realise what kind of a massive star that she should be, barring injury. I think it was one of the things saw her afterwards. She was kind of... Um, uh, having a limp around um but overall really fun show um some really good stuff in the undercard um robbie x was on there sean custom who we don't often get to see do you get mm. to see him at all benno i've seen his name on cards but not that i can think of no not that recently he had a really good match with david Starr. the mm. opener where he dropped the belt to david Starr, and a bit of an epic to be honest yeah david Starr proving again why he's a great wrestler yeah well, he's going to be a lot of what we're going to be talking about this week in terms of the, in terms of some of the matches that he's had. But yeah, he just doesn't let up. He's got brilliant value for money. Yeah, he's so consistent across so many promotions as well. It's mental the amount of promotions he works oh. in. Is he is is David Starr? He's not their champion, is it? Is it Sean Custom still? Sure, he beat Sean Custom in right. the opener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of their champion is it was David. It was Sean Custom, and then David. No, that, that was that was, that was like the zero gravity title. Oh right, okay. I'm not up on my. Kim Margera, maybe. I'm I'm looking at results and I'm only getting that. I'm not getting the show you guys are up. We need to get cage match up there. It's not the Elliot Jordan experience. He won a ladder match. There's a fun fun ladder match that for indie ladder matches wasn't overly dangerous either, which I was Mm. quite pleased about. Yeah. Because indie ladder matches can often be... El Fantasmo's on the card. Yeah, he was very good as well. It was just a really fun show, to be honest. They put on cheap 
shows and a Friday night in Coventry, a mm. uh, nightclub venue, well worth checking out, to be honest. I've, yeah. Honestly, very enjoyable for very little money. Um, and I didn't stay for the death match, so I got home at a reasonable time. So I don't <laughs> mind the death match going on last. It does sound a bit weird, like considering the card that you're, you're describing to me, death match does seem a little bit out the blue. Is it like, because I was talking about that This Is Wrestling show last month, wasn't mm-hmm. I, where they had like a, a no DQ brawl at the end that just did not fit with the like the aesthetic of the rest of the show. Was it like a, a long-built story, or was it just Jimmy Havoc taking the piss? Is that what the well, idea was, as far as you know, before you left? Well, there is a story, and there is a VOD product that's out there, but mm. I, I must confess I've, I've, I've not seen it. Um, so I'm assuming there is something going on Well, there, the but... last show we went to there was Jimmy Havoc versus Clint Margera in a death match, and it was oh, yeah. shit. Oh. <laughs> um, it wasn't good. Um, and I think we considered leaving early that night, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, but we didn't. Yeah, we stayed for it. And I was like, I've had enough of this crap, to be honest <laughs> with you. Seen enough of it to last me a lifetime. Um, <laughs> and at the beginning of the match, Abbott was teamed with Spike Trevay. And then Margera gave Abbott a drink. And then they had a beer and then became best mates. And then I think they were about to gang up on Spike Trevay as we left. And then I didn't look up what happened afterwards because... I wasn't really interested, and had a good night, and I'd seen some really good wrestling. Oh, so I didn't. But the, the abiding image of the night, the last image I saw was Jimmy Avok smiling while drinking a can of, I suppose, rats pissing Fosters, if anything. <laughs> Terrible. Well, beer. well, if we can find an image, that's the show image. That's it. Oh, that's I've got an image. I've got <laughs> Maybe we'll set that up. Yeah, it sounds like a fun trip, though. It's like, like I've done does count as midlands doesn't it coventry obviously mm-hmm. I've done a lot of fight club pro but yeah it's never really i've never it's not really a promotion uh, i've ever considered visiting but yeah certainly sounds like a an interesting little trip um i mean i suppose while we're talking shows we've been to the other i suppose before i think the the progress stuff is going to tie nicely into our our featured discussion so let's let's save that for nearer the end but yeah it, it feels like it's been a while but joe you went to road pros uprising show jp i assume you saw it on the vod yeah, um, Joe. After the long wait, uh, how was that as a live experience? I thought it was excellent. It was one of the better York Hall shows maybe ever. Mm. It was certainly the best one in a while. I thought, um, yeah, I had a great night. It was interesting going in. I think the show started slightly earlier than usual, and the crowd looked seriously down. Like, I was quite worried when I arrived at how many empty seats there were. It looked sort of half full, but it did fill up within mm. the next you were sending us pictures on the night i remember yeah and it, it wasn't yeah. looking too good i think yeah uh, i had a couple of reports though that, yeah that people seem to file in late for some reason yeah i think uh maybe tube trouble but i think because it also started slightly early it's a friday night friday, people yeah, and, yeah. Mm. so it did fill up i think there was probably around i reckon about 900 there if i was to make an estimation in the end um the crowd were hot. It was the hottest crowd for a York All show in a, quite a while, I thought. And they seemed into everything. Like One of the big things I took from this show was the way they got around some of the New Japan st- uh, sort of booking. Mm. So they, they managed to get out of some of the New Japan, what felt like New Japan decision making that they were hindered by, and advance angles. And, for example, the Taiji-Chris Brooks match, we all kind of had a grown yeah when tai chi went over mm-hmm. but they managed to use a new japan feud and tai chi osprey but also establish osprey chris brooks as a potential feud and get chris brooks over more as a heel to some extent well i think that was the intention with it's... the osprey angle um mm. which i thought was really good um it's got a slight of hand but i don't 
should you have to do it? I mean, it's Tai Chi. Come on. Like, no, when I... he lost the Never Belt, like, I, I was convinced, okay, that that's that problem solved. He's definitely going to be losing. Chris yeah, I, I agree with is that. on his way up. I don't know if I can... I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I thought the angle was good, but I'm not sure I can excuse that. It, it's Tai Chi. I mean, ugh, the New yeah. Japan office really strongly protecting him. I mean, what have they got with him going forward? I get what you're saying, and I completely agree with you, but I thought, considering the situation they were in, and I wouldn't have booked Tai Chi anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that might have been a start, actually, just not putting him on the show. Yeah, I assume they get given New Japan talent maybe as like a package. I don't, I don't mm. know necessarily, um, but Tai Chi was not someone I was interested in seeing. I don't know who was. Um, but I did think they got around it in the best way they could have. And people's grumbling and groaning lasted a, a second or two. Mm. And then instantly it was forgotten because the yeah. Brooks Osprey thing was what they were going to remember stemming from the match. So I thought in terms of being able to transfer the heat onto another situation and get something else over, I thought that was actually a really good way out of it. Mm. Yeah, it's, got, it's it's a smart way out of a a weird problem isn't it it's like i i think I, I mean i was kind of i love the show if you purely just look at the cage match and you look at who won and lost the matches there's a lot of new japan guys going over um there's also el fantasmo beating el desperado so that's something um i mean some of the booking just for me i mean i again i love the show but it didn't entirely cure some of my concerns about the book like an example like not even a new japan related thing uh, like ridgeway beating like we were raving about the fact that on the last show that we were made up that ridgeway beat osprey and that was like that was something you know osprey is something of a new japan guy ridgeway's on his way up it felt a bit 50 50 for us to then lose to, to bodum on this show i love the match um but it just maybe it's like a, it there's something about that's something you got full control of, and I just don't really understand why you go in that direction. I still, I mean, the matches we get on this show absolutely make it worth it, but there is still that element for me of booking where I just do wonder what the what the what the forward thinking is and what the what the reasons are behind some of the the other decisions. Well, I think with Bodum, so I, I'm not going to lie, I'm a massive Bodum fan. I'm a bigger Bowden fan than I am a Ridgeway fan, and I'm going to invest in a oh same for me any other time match more than I am a Ridgeway match. Really, mm. I'm going to be more invested. Mm. And again, it comes back to another situation. So the Kojima Walter situation, where we were all shocked that mm. Kojima went over Walter. I was a bit annoyed. Again, they managed to use a distraction with Bowden coming out. He fluffed his lines a little bit. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it was like, oh, okay, we're going to get Bowden Kojima. I'm kind of up for that. And I'm really hoping with the nature of Kojima's promo, him saying, oh, I beat two guys, uh, or two bigger guys. Now I want a title shot. And I'm really hoping that they've had him go over to those two guys because they're going to pay this off with Bowden beating Kojima. I, uh, who knows if that's going to happen mm. because this New Japan stuff is such a... So, well, it's, it's pretty predictable for the mm. most part. Yeah, that's probably I'm the really, biggest problem, isn't it? I'm With really open. This is this that he's gone over. Uh, Kojima's gone over Mark Davis and Walter mm. because they had this Bodum approach in mind potentially. That's what I'm open. And I suppose Bodum beat down Ridgeway after the Osprey match as well. Mm. So maybe it plays into that slightly. I don't know. Um, I don't think Ridgeway's screwed by any means as a result of this. I think Ridgeway will still be fine mm. in Rev Pro. 
but it was yeah, I get what you're saying. It's just it was, a bit odd, isn't it? Why why yeah. bother putting him over Osprey if that's the the next match for him? Um, again, it's more a placement. I mean, the Walter loss that of all of the losses that probably bothered me the least because it's like, well, Walter's clearly not long for Rev Pro. I mean, breaking as we're recording, I don't know if you both see PW Insider have outright said that Walter's now signed his NXT UK contract. Oh. Uh, so that's oh. done. But you can see it. You can see it in the booking, can't you? Walter yeah. is slotted in a very specific place in Rev Pro there, JP, and it's like it, it. I was disappointed at first, but now, but watching this match and with the rumors being so strong and with it being confirmed today, yeah, Walter. Unfortunately for us, it doesn't seem like Walter's taken the uh, the path that maybe we were hoping for. No, and I have to say that's that's kind of got us down. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but that, oh no, it's well, it's it's going to happen, isn't it? Mm. It, it, it? Like you say, it was inevitable, and yeah. they were making the kind of noises about it. I know when we go into NXT UK, you wonder really what the 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 trade off is for him. Mm. What? How much great Walter are we now going to be getting from from here on in? Um, yeah, uh, I think when it came to the the sort of um, what they're doing with all of the New Japan stuff, and this mm. is really the kind of crux of it. Is the trade-off of that title being defended in a more high-profile way than the Ring of Honor and NWA titles really ever have ever been portrayed in New Japan, being defended on the dome Mm. in a match which is going to get a big reaction from a Japanese crowd? Because this isn't Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly in the dome, who, as good of wrestlers as they are, you know, they didn't have any kind of an emotional investment. And this does. Is it worth that trade-off? for a lot of for for what we've kind of had with this Mm. yeah it's it's a it's a tough situation isn't it because i think that there is too much reliance on the new japan talent on these shows Mm. now and i think a lot of people are i love new japan and Mm. i'm fine with seeing a lot of these guys but the perfect point is you were pushing yourself weren't you on our last show you would have had aussie open go over and be the tag champ so at least you've got that for the cockpit shows i think yeah that's a good example isn't it yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a little bit of kind of resentment because both belts aren't available. I'm pretty sure Zach's winning at the Dome. I'm pretty sure that's got to happen at this point. They've had Ishii for like a sort of good over a year now consistently on mm. the big shows. Mm. Um, so I don't know if Ishii's run is maybe coming to an end. Who knows? But I think you do need to get it back on to Zach, um, especially if you're going to keep the tag belts on um, Suzuki and Zach. So you've still got availability with Suzuki, but these shows aren't automatically selling out, which is a little mm. bit of a worrying sign. I don't know if the, maybe the attendance will go down if they stop booking less New Japan talent. Mm. I don't know if it will go up if the storylines become more interesting with some of the homegrown British talent. I don't know. It's a mm. really tough situation that I think Rev Pro sort of find themselves in at the moment because maybe the formula where they've been employing is maybe not, but yeah, maybe becoming a little bit stale with the York Hall shows and the use of the well, New Japan guys? One of the things, and, and, you know, a friend of ours, Mark Buckledy, commented, and was, I, I don't know if you, you saw this, Benno, in terms mm. of the amount of, since Uprising 2017, 11 contracted wrestlers, 11 wrestlers have signed contracts with um, WWE. Mm. And that's going to immediately hurt you. And yeah. it kind of felt like it's got it's so much of that kind of... And the natural response is lean on the New Japan relationship, isn't it? I mean, it is. any other and business person would probably do that. 
But yeah, exactly. And so I think we're going to end up having this kind of possibly 2019 ends up being a year of kind of lots of various moving pieces mm. of what talent they're going to be able to work with and how they're going to be able to do that as well. Um, there are some sort of real good signs of some areas that are developing. I'm thinking in terms of MK McKinnon. You mentioned, we mentioned Ridgeway. We mentioned Bowden being sort of pushed up the card. You've got that definitely with, with both of them. So that's something. There are a lot of good signs coming out of what they're going to be doing with the women's tournament in early January in the card on that. And I think they've booked Kaylee Ray which, you know, gives that at least the kind of credibility that that title really has never had in terms of the, the tournament that was always set out. Mm. So there are some green shoots. I wonder whether or not it'll be 2019 will be a case of trying to stabilise what they have and get somewhat back on an even keel just because of the changing landscape of British wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting one, though, because obviously I'm really excited for that tokyo don't ma- uh, match and mm. it got a great response from the crowd mm, as well Yeah, the pot was huge and it was another one where you know i'm saying people are getting a little bit bored of the new japan stuff maybe but people are still invested in it when they're getting big moments from it mm. so i think you know if they were to bring in a carder in or a kenny omega or a tanahashi i think they'd still draw big i think it's maybe because they've been using and i love ishii he's probably my yeah. rest of the year but because they've been using him so much, maybe his values dropped a little bit. I don't know. Um, and maybe David Starr, uh, maybe Ishii David Starr to a lot of people wasn't a dream match. It was a weird match on paper. It was a very good match. I thought it was a really good, proper main event match. And I think Starr more than held up his end of the bargain oh, yeah. and proved like that he can go in that position. And I think he's only going to grow from here as that main eventer. It felt and like think- an important match for him in Rev Pro, both as like, a shoot wrestler and as like as a character within Rev Pro, like yeah. it, it it took, you know, he talks a lot of shit on the microphone. He's been chicken shit heel cruiserweight champion, but both in story and in ring and the way the way they delivered the match, it gave him it, for me even in loss, it gave David Starr a whole host even more credibility than he already had. I thought that was a good move. Yeah, and there are places you can go with that as well with his character stemming from here as well. Um, I think he's had a great year in Rev Pro. I think he's probably been the bright spark consistently on Rev Pro shows because he's one of the only guys, not one of the only guys, that's unfair, but he's a guy who's as over on the cockpit shows as he is at York Hall and the character stuff translates between the two venues and between the two settings, if anything. And there are some guys that just have never been, like Eddie Dennis was an absolute brilliant fixture on the cockpit shows for a good year and it never translated into his York Hall appearances. He never got over in York Hall so much, mm. where a star really has. Um, and this was kind of, I don't know, like almost it felt like a reward and kind of the icing on the cherry, a cherry on the ice on the cake, let's say mm. for his great year in Rev Pro. Um, I was really happy with the match, and I think the end of it as well. Again, Ishii going over, a homegrown guy. Well, mm. I say homegrown, but a guy who's there regularly. And then you get the distraction again with the angle with Zach. So again, people come out remembering that. I think a lot. I think a lot of thought had gone into how to get around the New Japan booking decisions. So I think it shows that there's an awareness of how some people are feeling when it comes to the New Japan stuff that is being thought about when it comes to getting around and advancing um, what maybe New Japan are demanding. I don't know. I don't know what's gone on. But it seems that there is that that conscious thought to get around that stuff, to distract fans from the result, if that makes sense. 
yeah, definitely. I think yeah, there was, like I said, there was a lot of, a lot of good sleight of hand and a lot of, like you say, it seemed like thought into the, that side of things. And again, it's, I think maybe it's podcasts like us. We're going to sit down, we're going to analyze it, aren't we? But if you just look at it as a show, you know, th- there was so many great matches on the show. I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, live it was an incredible experience watching the show. JP, you watched it on the VOD, didn't you, I yep. assume? And like yep. I say, if you just soaked in the matches themselves, the matches themselves were were pretty much incredible up and down. Like I say, Joe, you, we started this conversation talking about it as one of the better <laughs> pro shows in a while, and it was. It's just kind of this in the background, isn't it, that you can't help but think about and can't help but thinking about what their, their 2019 is going to be, but probably shouldn't undersell how, how good the matches were on this show as well. No, it's, I, I, from a VOD perspective, there's a couple of sort of nice things that they've done and mm. that you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have seen. And obviously we kind of go to most of the York Hall big shows with between me and Joe. <clears throat> so seeing it on the VOD is sometimes quite a bit of a novelty. Mm. And one of the, the interesting things is the, the Vox pops they've done and, you know, the quality of them wasn't the best. But I like the idea of it in terms of building to the main event throughout and having the different wrestlers say their pieces. Also, they chucked in a cheeky instant replay after Zach came in and attacked Ishii, which I wasn't expecting. And I was thinking these things are going to be introducing on a more regular basis. You know, that would be, that would be really, that would be really nice. But Mm. uh, as an overall show to watch as someone who, you know, this is the first of these that I I haven't seen in, in quite some time live. It was a breeze to watch. And I don't know if it was the same for you, Ben. It was just a very easy watch. And we're obviously going pretty deep into the weeds in terms of the booking and where it is. But ultimately, we're being given an eight-match card of seriously good quality. Mm. And that's fundamentally it. I can sometimes find the Road Pro shows a little bit heavy to watch on VOD. Mm. Like, I've noticed that from, you know, the odd one I've come down to watch with you live. I think it, it normally breezes a lot quicker than it does on the VOD sometimes when it's just match, 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 and, and they're all great matches, but you never want to cross that PWG line, do, do you? You want to, and I think I think this was a good example of a show where there were matches, I mean, there were a lot of great matches on the show, but there were good angles as well to mix it up, a good balance of the different types of matches that, that were on the show as well, a kind of like the difference between, say, the Suzuki Goon tag and some of the stuff that was on the undercard, um, kind of, I mean, Less said about Great O'Conn and Shane Taylor, the better. But the, the other, like MP McKinnon and Mike Bailey had a match on this oh, show that was, that was just, that yeah. really blew me away as something completely different as well. As far as in-ring wrestling styles, there was pretty much something for everyone. Yeah, MK, I think, was, uh, Bailey, I think, is one of the most underrated guys in the world. I'm going to be heaping some praise on him in a minute. Oh, I think he's he's been over a few weeks, hasn't he? He's been tearing it up. Place mm. so good. I think he he deserves a lot more praise. He was at Kamikaze as well, of course. He was at Kamikaze Pro, yeah. Um, but I, I, we'll talk. Well, actually, you know what? Chris Brooks had a had an average match of Mike Bailey. A really average match of Mike Bailey. Mm. Probably the worst Mike Bailey match I've ever seen. And to me, that says a lot. Um, that made me worry about. Brooks' overall ability—it really did. Uh, if he if he can't have a, a great match of Mike Bailey, you look at the matches Mike Bailey's had this mm. year. Think of that Bobby Guns one we were at live. Yeah, uh, mm. think of that Mike Bird one me and you saw live an attack last oh, year God, as well. Yeah, the Ryan Smile match, yeah. the Osprey was, match I was at last year oh, as well. Incredible. Yes. Then you got this MK McKinnon match that you can add to that as well. You got the Eddie Dennis match we'll talk about in a minute. Bailey has just been absolutely tearing it up, but I think MK McKinnon. 
God, I tell you what, he's gone away and he's been out for a few years and he's come back and he, I think he's been watching his Davy Richards tapes, but he's taken all the shit Davy Richards from Ring of Honor 2009 <laughs> at Arsenal and he's just done the stuff that was good that Davy Richards has done. And I think he looks better than what Davy Richards looked in 2009. And I say that as someone who really dislikes Davy Richards as a wrestler most of the time. <laughs> um, and I was really impressed with MK McKinnon here. And you could tell he knew this was a massive opportunity. Yeah. He had a confidence boost for that match at the cockpit. He had with David Starr the month before, which was great. And again, he had another great match here. And he got over with the York Hall crowd. And I think they're going to remember this when he's if he's booked on the next York Hall show as well. So I think Rev Pro have done a really good job with taking someone who I think was struggling a little bit. And they've found a platform and they've given him wrestlers who are good wrestlers to help him get over mm. and show that he can go. And he really fucking went in this. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And it's kind of, that's... That's the, I mean, again, <laughs> alluding to our big story later on, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? There are spots there and there are, there's opportunities for people like him, isn't there? And he's someone who's, because like I, I didn't really see much of him in his pomp, and he's kind of getting to come in and, and offer something fresh, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. And I like the style as well. Um, it's, it feels, I'm not going to say it feels fresh necessarily, because Ridgeway's doing sort of similar, um, but it works for him. He, he, mm. he comes across as quite legit doing that style and it can be quite a hard style to pull off at times and it's a little bit different to what he was doing years ago as well and I, I look forward to seeing more of him on these Rev Pro cards he was against Mark Haskins in Southampton last week as well mm. which is a show I didn't get to my brother was at so it was a very good match um, so yeah fair play to MK he's a guy who's really found himself in the last couple of months I know he's going to come up later on but I mean you mentioned about Haskins being in Rev Pro I, we we were saying before we, we we were recording tonight that you know Haskins is someone in that environment. It would look somewhat fresher, mm. and I think it would really help. It takes a lot to say that about Mark Haskins, being honest. But I, yeah, I, being gone I, for so long, yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? If you just brought in Mark Haskins by himself as wrestler Mark Haskins, let him do some work rate stuff. Yeah, mm. let him do some stuff in the cockpit as well. I think you, there's a lot of kind of good things that can come about as a result as that type of environment working for him. So I'm not saying him and MK McKinnon are kind of the same, but we've the first time I saw MK McKinnon in Rev Pro was when he was in Leamington, and he was he wrestled Chris Chris Ridgeway, Chris, yeah, Chris yeah. Ridgeway. and it was a and that was a really fun two hour show. Mm. And with that, it was you know he was showing then that actually this is someone who since we saw him in Fight Club Pro making his comeback has sort of really come on, looked at himself, looked at the kind of style that he was wrestling and has adapt, like Joe said, adapted it well for him. Um, he isn't overexposed and that's a rarity yeah, yeah, yeah. in on the Brit rest cards around the country. I think for him as well, he was thrown at a deep end in fight club pro. He yeah. was coming off this injury, you know, he's, he's obviously mm. very close with Trent and Martin Zaki and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's a and he was, isn't it? Yeah. He was thrown in there with guys who, had been wrestling consistently, had, you know, really come on leaps and bounds in the time he was away. And it was almost, it almost felt like he was expected to just be able to go with them. And, you know, it's not that easy, but it feels like he's kind of got up to speed now and he's really improved and he's really, he's really found himself. Good on the bloke. Definitely. Uh, anything else on, uh, on Uprising or, or RevPro in general before we get into the progress stuff? 
Um, I thought this was just a really, really good show. I hope the York Hall shows continue to be as much fun. Mm-hmm. I think El Fantasmo and El Desperado, I thought it was an excellent match. Yep. Fantasmo was super mm-hmm. over in this match. And it was really good to see uh, Rev Pro guy go over. I'm still not completely sold that on Phantasma's the finished article mm. and the next guy in Rev Pro. I still think he's got a little bit of a way to go, but now nah, he's doing well. He's doing really well, and this was a really fun match. Um, yeah, overall a good show. Advanced some storylines, some good angles. One of the things me and my brother were chatting about was one of the reasons the York Hall shows used to be they've never not been fun but one of the things I used to love were the angles on the shows of when the likes of Marty were around I remember some great angles with like Martin Stone as well at various points and it felt like those were back it felt like they broke the shows up nicely yeah. it also felt like none of the matches on this card outstayed their welcome we also didn't mention the Aussie Open against Suzuki Gun oh, match yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which sort of tells you how loaded this show was I thought this was a massive match for Aussie Open. I thought they more than lived up to expectation. I love the dynamic that they were playing off of Kyle Fletcher and Suzuki as the young boy. And oh, that was brilliant. The old man. Running away. Yeah. Oh, I was awesome. Suzuki is so good. Mm-hmm. Like I was watching Suzuki throughout this match. He's got a unique sort of charisma that mm-hmm. is so subtle, but it's so, so effective. He oh, took mm-hmm. I think, one bump in this entire match. Yeah. Zach. Was also selling for Aussie Open like double because he knew Suzuki wasn't going to sell that much for him. And <laughs> Zach that was getting him over in this match, I thought, more than anything, while Suzuki was getting him over in a completely different sort of way. Kind of just standing in the middle of the ring, wasn't he? As Kyle ran away and as Mark Davis just desperately trying to earn his respect. It kind of made, gave the match like an, like you say, an, an interesting dynamic, didn't it? With like. Kyle almost having to psych himself up on the apron for that hot tag and, and Davis trying to go strike for strike with him but not quite getting there. Um, yeah, it's a good point that yeah, that Zack Sabre had to do most of the booking to, to kind of make up for that stuff. But them two are such a good team as well, aren't they? Zack Sabre and, and, and Minoru Suzuki just doing the double submissions. Uh, it, it just, it made for, I was disappointed in the finish. But yeah, it made for I, I kind of expected the teams to have chemistry, but it, it felt like they had a lot of chemistry um, in the building in the end. It felt like a proper fight as well, and mm. it, that people were really invested in it. Um, it felt I, I wanted Aussie Open to win going in, but when watching the match, I almost felt like no, it's not quite time. Mm. Like maybe this is a match where they lose, they get over a bit more as a result, and you come back to this match at some point, possibly. That was my thought on it. Hey, they've got that TV tournament going on, and apparently the Aussies, I think they're still in it, aren't they? They're still they're still in the tournament, and I think you get a, another title shot through that, so maybe that's the uh, the end result. Uh, I actually haven't seen the spoiler, so I don't know if that's how it goes. I but, was I was, I was was there, so I'll happily spoil it for you now if you want to know. Oh, no. My dream's going to be shattered here, JP. No. No, not at all. Um, it is what it's... it's it's building up to I'm spoiling a couple of episodes into Rev Pro TV. Skip ahead 30 seconds if yeah. you don't want them. Uh, basically it builds up to them and the Hunters mm. um, as the, the number one contenders and they're going to be and they're going to be having um, their match. Mm. But that's, that's and that's that that hadn't happened. That's what was built up after the, the main event uh, where Aussie Open beat Rapongi 3K. Right. Um, and that was to go through I think so. It seems quite some time ago, and there was a lot. I was speaking about it with Joe, like about matches that we couldn't just stuff couldn't see. There was like fourteen matches on that show, mm. which I don't know. It's probably a nice little segue going towards what we're going to be talking about. Was it the same at NXT UK? Progress first, but uh, you can you can call oh, yeah. that you can call that NXT UK if you like. 
Yeah. <laughs> what a, a takeover looks like a, a UK takeover looks like a progress card, doesn't it? Oh, it really does. I mean, yeah. While you were uh, at Rev Pro, and I was a pro. One thing that I mean, the the two live shows I've been to since the last time we recorded, I went to Progress Manchester and I went to NXT UK's tapings, which we're going to get into in the second half of the show. And the one common theme across both of those shows was, my God, the music, and it's the oh. same music as well. I mean, oh. I <laughs> I had a. F- <laughs> That's a ne- that's a big negative. I will say as a huge positive, it was the best progress show I've been to in a long time. Best atmosphere for a progress show I've been involved in. I yep. took my brother. Brother does not watch wrestling. He hasn't watched wrestling since maybe WrestleMania 12. Um, maybe he was a big Jose Lothario fan. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but literally, he, he I think he was just curious on, like I said, the last show, what, have I been, what do I spend all my time talking about and podcasting about and going to all the time? And he'd been badgering me to go to a show. And being honest, like as much as we'll give progress grief, when, it, when he said that to me, I want to go to a show, to me, there was no doubt I'm going to take him to a progress show. Especially... Yeah, a Progress Manchester show. Uh, maybe it's a northern thing. Maybe if I was down south, I'd consider Rev Pro as well. But as far as atmosphere goes and as far as showing it to someone as an outsider, like it's not, you know, I think in his brain, he thinks of, he probably thinks of like the wrestling shows I go to is, you know, the social club stuff. Um, I don't mm. think he would kind of realize there was, you know, there's progresses and Rev Pros about until he did watch that uh, at least one episode of Rev Pro and Free Sports. But he absolutely loved the atmosphere. He even really liked Jim as well. I'll get into that in a bit as well. Uh, but even he was kind of, uh, I don't know, I was, I was, I tried to warn him going in. Yeah, I don't expect, uh, I was trying to say that this promotion used to have like the best entrance themes ever. He would have loved it if, say, a Zack Sabre was on there and came out to, to Idols or we got one of the famous themes. But yeah, the the music was was something of a, a downer, even if, uh, yeah, we did have a great day out. My The first note on my notes for this uh, show is Mike Bailey's music, lol. <laughs> I, you know what of the bad musics I didn't hate Mike Bailey's that much well mine's just lol so maybe I didn't dislike it I just thought it was lol my think... second note is music utter shite <laughs> the next bit says um, li- uh, Paul Robinson lyrics from song on shirt but doesn't have the music that the lyrics are from so <laughs> yeah, lots of music related notes there yeah I mean that the Eddie Dennis one's the one for me that just kind of just weird one note. It's like, oh, I remember when he used to, I know it wouldn't fit now when he used to come out to party hard. What a million miles away we are from that. I mean, it was only when I went, like I say, when I went to the NXT table and they're like, oh, right, that's his music here as well. Or when Travis Banks came out for the big run in and luckily he appeared on the stage quite quickly because I wouldn't have had a clue that was Travis Banks. Um, but just based on the music alone, uh, luckily they've got the uh, the video screen set up in Manchester now as well to to soothe those problems. But yeah, it was uh, it was one of I'm trying to think what the, yeah it would be the first progress show I've been to with the with going back to the terrible music when I went to Victoria Warehouse. I think we had some of the themes back. Um, so yeah, that was that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. But I mean that's that's a big negative. But as far as like the show goes, I had a whale of a time. I thought there were several really really good matches on this show including one i wasn't expecting to be that good uh i'm curious how did they come across on on the vod did, did the atmosphere uh come through it did um on the whole you could tell that this felt like a real step up mm. um it felt like really i mean i'm looking at my notes from it um it felt more like a progress show dare i say it mm. a way like apart from the, there was one 
there was one section which having seen it quite late on after this news broke the whole kind of zach gibson um like battle rap stuff with trent seven was mm. is now in hindsight just sounds horrible <laughs> um, if you go back and listen to it now you can't help but feel like this is this is really quite makes me quite angry uh, <laughs> but it, it came it, it did come across really well and it came across like a progress show. it came across as a show that had a bit of edge to it mm. which uh, so much progress for such a long time has not had an edge to it mm. yeah I, th- I, I can feel it. i think part of that's kind of the the Manchester crowd, the fact that it was... Yep. We've had the Victoria Warehouse show, but it's the first show in that venue since you guys came in January, February, whenever it was. Seems insane. Uh, that's mad. It's crazy, isn't it, that they've not been back? And there is more of a... That's kind of a big thing my brother was saying. It's it's It felt like a bit of a, I don't know, maybe a football atmosphere or a more... Just an atmosphere that maybe he wasn't expecting and just a very uniquely northern atmosphere especially when you got the ogdens in the crowd trying to get some very good and uh the occasional rotten check going um yeah i, th- I think it, it there is something to be said for that i think it did i think maybe the fact that they used it felt like a show where they were rehabbing guys and also a show where they were pushing you guys the fact that Ilya and david star were in a prominent position the fact that jordan devlin is finally getting his foot in progress the fact that speedball mike bailey's on the show and absolutely killing it i mean I mentioned earlier I was going to say a lot of praise about Speedball Mike Bailey, but he, you know, we said earlier how good he is, but I think the other thing for me is how good a live wrestler he is to see. You know, we 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 listed off all those great matches and that Osprey match. I took a, a non-fan to, and he, he talked walked away. All he was talking about was Speedball Mike Bailey, and then this match with Eddie Dennis. All my brother was talking about was Speedball Mike Bailey because there's something about his offense, something about mm. those knees that he hits, something about you know him always taking his own knees off out on the apron as well that just really worked for him. And yeah, just a absolutely incredible debut for him. It, made, it worked out perfectly putting him in the opener because the crowd was already hot with it being so long since our last show that they were big into speedball Mike Bailey and he felt like a, a big star in progress by the end. Yeah, it felt like the crowd were really kind of just baying for this show to be good, if anything. They were mm. willing it to be good because <laughs> yeah. it's been so long since there'd been a show there. And I've got to be honest, it felt fresh. Mm. It, the crowd, I thought, was so much better and felt so much more organic than ballroom crowds feel this day, mm. where I, I think a ballroom crowd is trying to be into stuff and thinking they need to be into stuff. It doesn't feel organic anymore, whereas this felt completely organic. And the reception Bailey got... And the crowd generally, I think, really helped the match. I thought it was a really fun match. You know, one of the best Eddie Dennis matches I think I've ever seen. Um, I Eddie Dennis was really on it in this match as well. But also Eddie Dennis, I just wonder, should, should he not be a face at this point? Like, <laughs> I think that's kind of, he's like he's yeah. like um, tweener Diesel, isn't he? He's put on the black of Diesel at this point. It's a weird path to go, but... He's getting cheered anyway, isn't he? So they, they seem to be leaning into it. It's a bit confusing. Yeah, he's got such a story to tell. But they, you know, the Andrews feud was a was a dud at the end of the day, wasn't it? It didn't work it's out. Shame because it shouldn't have been. Thought a dud. it was going to work out. Um, but yeah, it was at this point. I think that there's a lot of mileage in him as a face if they want to channel into his actual character that he's got. Um, and I suppose he's a regular ear, so it made sense him going over. But yeah, this was the perfect opener to get the crowd on side, to get them up. 
I thought this was a cracking opener. I, mm. I, one of the best openers I think I've seen this year, if anything. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I'd go that far as well. I just thought the first half had so many good matches. I mean, oh, how yeah. did uh, Chris Ridgway and Devlin and uh, Ilya and David Starr come across on the VOD? Because, again, they were killer as well to me. Oh, both so good. I've got to say, uh, the Ridgway-Devlin match, mm. I think it went about 10 minutes. For a match that got 10 minutes, they mm. did so much. and Completely different did, as well. Yeah, completely action-packed. Like, way more chemistry than I thought they were going to have. Like, you've got to give it to Devlin. That that man is one of the most improved men in the world this year. He's another guy that I think people are, are getting just how good he is at this moment in time. Like, I'm so gutted he's got that WWE deal. If he didn't have that WWE deal, oh. imagine him on a Rev Pro uh, New Japan sort of deal. I think he'd be absolutely perfect. He'd be perfect material for a Ring of Honor to try and fresh themselves up as well. Mm. I think he'd be absolutely everywhere. Mm. This was a absolutely cracking showing from Devlin. Like Everything yeah. he's done in progress so far has been awesome. He's got the hugely underrated match he had with Osprey this year as well, which people kind of forget about. And this, I thought, was close to as good as that match, if anything. For, for a 10-minute match, the pace of this was insane. It was really good use of Devlin as well. I thought it was like, for Devlin, there's always the danger that, like, again, what happens at the NXT UK tapings, you're going to get the ship Finn Balor chance and all that bullshit. But the, these two kind of just going out there and having almost a Tetsujin-style strike kind of wrestle battle, more of a shootout than anything. I think made it serious. The fans didn't really get on Devlin's back. They were the odd champ, but not much. And it kind of, again, set Devlin up as a potential contender in progress as well. Uh, even if I did think it was weird him going over and then it being Ridgeway that got challenged afterwards. That that is a bit strange. Although it kind of felt that um, it felt like Devlin. It felt like a kind of a tournament match if that made mm. any sense. And Devlin has kind of moved on to the next stage. And where Ridgeway needs to be developed is in terms of having a, a character and, and facing someone who might be able to get something different out of him in, in what yeah, they have in yeah. Robinson. Mm. So I can see the kind of purpose for that, but I do also see your point about... It wasn't my point. Blame Andy Ogden. That's who Paul Robinson went after on Twitter for uh, for saying that. I think he said something like, well, maybe I just always planned to come down. It's a long trip down from Essex. Maybe I came up to uh, just to attack uh, Chris Ridgeway. I didn't even plan on attacking Devlin. I was like, you know what? That makes sense. Maybe the commentators could explain it, but still, that works. Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, a couple of points I would say is is that Robinson needs a new T-shirt design. There's money in the <laughs> face. His face is money. Like, yeah. not not the tagline. The mm. tagline he can say, I'm fine with that, but use the face in order the to do it. The tagline taken from a song that reminds us of uh, better times when Paul Robinson had a great yeah. entrance fee. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, very true for that. I mean... I would say in terms of where they go with, with the Robinson angle, I mean, and again, I brought it up earlier on, it's kind of going to be almost my running theme throughout this, is that what he gives them is a bit more of a grown-up adult edge. Mm. And, you know, there's nothing about the Paul Robinson character that's saccharine in any way or cheesy. It feels authentic, even with all the warts on it as well. And it's quite rare to get that kind of level of authenticity when you see him kicking off. And so anytime I see him and the fact that he can be used in this good way and clearly has like a, a really good mind for what works in, in wrestling, I, you know, he's working for them already. I hope he's he's helping to contribute for some of these these storylines because it could be the kind of thing I could imagine him doing. I might be giving him credit for for no real reason, but I could certainly see that being the case. Yeah, absolutely. I hope he just gets some 
better music because uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited to see what Paul Robinson can do. Like one of the things about this, I thought as a card, one of the things we, we've kind of said it but not said it is just the roster, the actual talent on this show felt fresh. It felt like mm. a really nice selection of talent. It felt like a lot of the dead weight just mm. wasn't on this show. And the dead weight that was on the show really pulled it out in the main event. Like, mm. this is the first show in God knows how long, but I can't remember Jimmy Avoc being on. Uh, mm. I don't know where he was having a beer that day, but <laughs> it was such a relief just to won't. not have him just taking up a space on the card because he's Jimmy Anvik and must be in a progress card. And was he missed? Not one bit. This was great. I think, you know, you've got, we spoke about Speedball being there, um, being fresh, being in there for the first time. You've got Eddie Dennis with that kind of newish character, um, getting to wrestle against a really good opponent. Ridgeway feels like he's still finding his feet in progress, but is you know, done a really good job of establishing himself for matches like this. Devlin, I think people want to see a lot more of in progress. And then we get the likes of Ilya and oh. David Starr being used as a singles guy. Rather David than Starr being used tanky. properly. Yes. My yeah. biggest takeaway from this show. This is yeah. the role David Starr should be playing in progress. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for so long, I think we've been saying David Starr's there, but he's just there. He's not doing a lot there. And I was really happy to see him have this match in a progress ring. And I think it got him and Ilya over further with the Progress fan base, if anything. And what? there's so much you can do with both guys in Progress if you want to go in, in that direction. What did you think of the finish to that one? Because I wasn't as negative as a lot of people in the building. I mean, no. they had a killer match, and I would have liked to finish. I would say, I mean, my, if I was booking it, I mean, maybe this is a problem with the slot under Travis Banks, but Travis Banks coming out, I think... Even coming back to Progress, or at least coming back to Manchester, I know he, you know, he had that weird promo at Wembley. But him coming back, I mean, you can almost guarantee that he'd get cheered. So if you're going to find a way for him to get booed, that's one way to do it. He could have yeah. done it after the match, maybe. Um, maybe, I mean, part of me kind of does think Ilya needs to win a match at some point in Progress. Yeah. Uh, but maybe they didn't want to beat Star. Um, I absolutely love the match, but... Yeah, I, I did see a lot of people very negative on the finish. I don't know where you two land. I felt all I felt all right, but I mean, just obviously knowing it in advance what happens there mm. and seeing how they delivered on it, I was fine. I just thought with the proviso of I don't want to see a three way, like, and I know that's probably the direction they're going to go in mm, <laughs> at some point. I hope not. I'm sick of three ways. Oh, I'm sick of multi person. Sure, if you no, it's fucking off with number one, <laughs> number one contendership. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Um, like. It's it the, a few a bit of an impression on that. And I'm just really can I mirror a lot of the thoughts that you've said ab- about this particular match. It did feel like this is the start of a of a really serious run with Ilya in progress, um, and that he looked like someone who was up to that kind of shape. That it's I wonder whether or not, frankly, whether progress is kind of the buffer for seeing how he works really in front of primarily English speaking audiences for, for quite some time to get him, to get him used to that and potentially trying to get over his character where he's, he's not going to be speaking in, in German mm. throughout, throughout the promos and, and as like a little buffer before he ends up in NXT UK. Mm. So it, it might make sense for him to, to do that for the time being, but yeah. And also like you both said, star in single matches, it's great. Let him do them. Let him move up the cards. He's had a great couple of weeks as star. Yeah. Great couple of weeks. I think he's one of the most consistent guys working out there at the moment, especially in this country this year. 
definitely yeah, yeah. he's uh he turned up to the i saw her on twitter before he's uh turned up to the progress show that's actually taping tonight i think he, he was like an hour into the show his flight landed in london and he's still gonna get there for his match what a guy um uh, gotta appreciate that he's uh, probably the most traveled wrestler at this moment is that um, progress show still going on right now is it I think it's just about finished. We'll get JP to give us uh, some spoilers uh, in a sec. But just before we do move on, I did want to get your thoughts on the Joe. We talked a lot about Mark Haskins and Walter in the main mm-hmm. event. Um, I was quietly, I don't know if confidence the word, but I expected a good match. And I've got to be honest, in the building, maybe it was the overpriced beer. Maybe it was the long day. Maybe it was the atmosphere. But I found myself swept up with everybody else cheering Mark Haskins on. I don't know if that translates into the VOD. But genuinely, I, I did think that Haskins, it was his best showing in a long time in progress. His most convincing showing. Even if maybe in the back of my mind, I didn't really know the result. Um, but for certain moments, they made a Walter with the Walter match made a, a bit of believer out of me. Yeah, I've, I've got to say, it was the best Mark Haskins match I've seen in a couple of years. And they managed to get the dynamic right here with the fact Haskins ended up getting cheered, which mm. was interesting. I don't know if this is a full-on Haskins face turn, but it felt like they wanted him to be the face of this match by design. It's kind of... Mm. you sort of got like a Walter formula match at the moment, haven't you, where he's working with these smaller guys. There's a formula in place. There are certain spots they're going to hit. There are certain moments where they're going to build the match to get that baby face over, throw some hope spots in. And it works. It works every single time out. It's an undeniable formula. And Walter's had some fantastic matches this year as a result of it. And this was just another one of them. Mm. And if this kind of helps Mark Haskins' confidence and motivates him a little bit more, uh, then great. I'm all for that because I think he was in need of this match. I think he needed to remind us Mm. that he's capable of going at this level. Mm. Um, and that he can be motivated in this sort of scenario and in this sort of match. And he can deliver because he really did deliver here. There was some really, really great stuff in here. Oh, when and- uh, Walter grabbed that choke when uh, Walt- when Haskins was going for his usual forward roll into a DVD. Oh, it was great. Had- and that when Haskins, I think he counted the John Rube with like a double stomp. He did. Like the- that was awesome as well. All, All moments it- in this match. The chemistry they had is what really surprised me. And it all made sense as well. Like him not being able to get him up into that fireman's carry, it makes sense. It's a Mark Haskins signature spot. We're all familiar with it. He's denied it. Mm. It gets Haskins over more as a face because people sympathize with him because he can't, you know, hit that maneuver. But his offense was fiery in this as well. Mm. And I think it was that fire that helped get him over in the match because it's a fire, really that we've not seen from him in a long time. Like All I can say is I hope that Mark Haskins, Jimmy Havoc, unexplained deadweight bollocks is done at this point. <laughs> um, I don't think Vicky Haskins needs to be there. She's added nothing in the last year other than looking hot on the outside. Um, there's just you killed my counter-argument there, Joe. Say it again. You killed me counter-argument there. You made it before I could make it. I do it every time, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she's just there. And she's not added anything to the character. Since she's been there, I think he's got less over as a result as well. I'm not blaming her exclusively. Yeah, I think that's more the way kind of he's slotted. But it doesn't make sense. I mean, I will say I'm a big Vicky Haskins fan, but it doesn't make any sense that he's, especially now, if he's supposed to be this babyface, she's quite clearly a heel manager. Um, It just, yeah, there there is something that that just doesn't work about it. Um, and most of it's the, the bad storytelling they've done with him. And that's kind of my big 
thing with Haskins. It's like as much as I'll heap praise on this match, and genuinely, it was a fantastic match. I was glad I was there for it. He made the believer for me in the moment. The problem is, what do you do with Mark Haskins tomorrow? and or today you know on the show today and i don't know what the answer is to that what is the next step for mark haskins in progress because that's probably the most interesting thing you can do with mark haskins and his double act with vicky in progress right now uh i don't know where else there actually is to go it's not interesting though (laughs) um yeah i I agree i think he needs some time out probably from progress i hope he gets more rev pro bookings because i think there's more he can do with different opponents there as well Mm. Uh, i just can't see what there is for him in progress and everything he's doing in progress this was good but every move they've made with him and the havoc stuff it doesn't feel organic it feels Mm. like it's very forced it feels like they're very much we've got to find him something to do we've got to find Mm. him something to do same with havoc as well i feel very i feel very wistful about the the kind of Haskins run, I suppose, in a way of what could have been if the injury hadn't happened if with his, mm. I mean, with with his neck. If that hadn't taken place, what position would he have been in? Would he have had this sort of run of perhaps good matches? I don't really have much faith because with face champions, it's never worked out so well in progress. Mm. And but at the same time, would that have kind of led to him being something else? Because it was ever since that introduction that the whole thing kind of went off the rails. And it was it was disappointing and unnecessarily convoluted. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe with Haskins, it might be a case of simplicity. Why not have him just having some really good matches? Well, you can have the unexplained where two men hang out together, but we just never tell you. We call them the unexplained because we can't think of a reason. So we take ownership <laughs> of it. Um, yeah, let's hope that never happens again. Definitely. Fingers crossed. Uh, JP, do you have any spoilers for us of uh, the, the progress chapter that's uh, right, well, just wrapped up? Can uh, I again? just make a suggestion of a storyline? Oh, go on. Go Jim- on while I'm looking for this, yeah. Jimmy Avoc, I think, is a step away from doing Drunk Scott Hall. Um, Mark Haskins is his best friend, tries to get him off the booze. <laughs> cool. He's playing Kevin Nash, dunking his head in toilets, like on those nitros oh, with uh, yeah, Nash Hall. Following out to snooker halls. Yeah. There could be money <laughs> in that. So, yeah, we, we are going to be... Spo- I've got the results here. So we're going to be spoiling <laughs> this. I think you already know these, Ben, don't you? You've already probably I've, seen them. I've seen a couple, but yeah. I, I do put detailed show notes out for these episodes, guys. I put a lot of work into it. So it'll be just, in the show notes. Pay attention to the show notes when this finishes. Oh, yeah. Just just to be curious, just to sort of make this... Just to be curious. Just to make it absolutely clear, uh, none of us were able to go and see this show because it's, it's a Monday night. I wouldn't go on anyway. Well, exactly. But what time would you? What time would all of us been able to go? So we can't go. So these aren't actually. We haven't seen the matches. Mm. So it opened up with Mark Andrews, Jordan, Jordan Devlin, um, Devlin winning that. Um, I'm going by the Indie Corner results and and Dave Green. um, Shout out to him doing the results tonight. He said he said that was really good. Second match. Can you? Do you want to have a guess, Joe? Oh, women. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Where else? Uh, Do you want to have a guess what it is? Um, Ginny and Laura Di Matteo yeah. versus Nina Samuels and Charlie Morgan. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, okay. Mean girls. Yep. Yeah. Um, can you guess what happened? It was. Uh, oh, I'm sure lots of slapping, lots of uh, sloppy wrestling. Ginny, Ginny hit a, a, a rolling kick. I'm not quite sure to who at that point in order to get the win. Um, a rolling kick, eh? Yeah. Well, she's known for her shoot style, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> if anything else. Next one, uh, JP. We should put. Let, let me take this one. Oh, yes. the next one. Yeah. We've got our. We've got our big grudge match here. We have got Drew Parker and Jimmy Havoc. Joe. Ah. Oh, it might not surprise you to know 
that the Drew Parker put together a stable on this night. Can you guess who the three members of the stable are that join him? Are they like new to the Progress roster? Progress no. roster. It's think New Blood versus Millionaires Club. Jimmy Havoc is Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, let's say that Drew Parker is Billy Kidman. Who's on Billy Kidman's side? Oh, the okay. roster. Spike Trevay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm struggling here. Spike Trevay. Um, Think of a couple of my favourites. Um, <laughs> and when he says favourite, he's being very sarcastic. Uh, 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 Chuck Mambo. Yeah. Heel Chuck Mambo. <laughs> Heel Chuck Mambo. I saw it in attack. It works in attack. It does work. Yeah. Sex Smith. No. Close. The the new Eva gimmick? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. Joe, you should be booking this shit. I, mean, I know, because I wouldn't book that. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, it comes out with them coming out to save Jimmy Havoc when he starts getting attacked by Spike Trevay. They swerve. Um, they just, there's not a match that takes place. They just basically lay out Jimmy Havoc. Apparently in quite a destructive way. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Anything else yeah. good on the card, JP? Okay, sure. yeah. For uh, the, the match going into the interval, you'd be surprised by this. Jordan Grace, Isla Dawn. Oh, the second match and the and the match before interval. Good I thing. know. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, isn't it? Crazily progressive of them. Um, apparently, it was, I mean, it was really good. I didn't. I was going to say earlier on um, the Isla Dawn Lana Austin match. I did enjoy um, from Progress. I kind of in, enjoyed it. It was it was good to see Lana Austin get the reception, obviously. But I think there's something about Isla Dawn. Anyway. Um, Going on, sorry, it's completely sidetracked. Going on the fifth one, Trent Seven versus Carl Fletcher to retain the Atlas division. Is he a heavyweight? Does he weigh 240 pounds? He was announced as 215. I mean, he's tall. He's a tall lad. Has he been on the, like, I don't know, the pies over the weekend or something? <laughs> He's put some muscle. I mean, the problem here is that everyone, yeah. myself included, was hoping for PCO. I think he won the Indy Corner poll as well. Uh, yeah. He's in the country too. That didn't turn out. Apparently it was a great Trent's match. Though, opinion. for him as well, actually. He would have had a great laugh with him, I'm sure. I mean, they, they said it's a very good match, but I'm, between them yeah, two, I'm sure it was. I'd expect them to have a really good match. Um, there's something we haven't announced, actually. It was the pre-show match. Oh, no, it? Dave Green's breaking kayfabe here, JP. Oh, okay. Do we, oh, it's do we... fine. We could say it. There's a, there's a, there's a young lad, uh, Joe Bailey, that was on the show. Uh, if you look at him, he's got a, he wears a, a pair of boots that look very William Regal-esque. He's announced as coming from Blackpool. If you just look at his face and his hair, it's quite clearly William Regal's son. Dave Green broke that, everybody, not me. Yep. Yep. That's, that's, so they, yeah, they had a 10 minute draw, didn't they? As a pre-show match against someone, uh, Joe Bailey, who I haven't seen. Uh, not Joe Bailey, I see Jordan Brakes, mm. who I haven't seen. No relation to Jim, hopefully. I'll leave <laughs> that one to the side. <laughs> um, Jesus. Then there was, uh, who is this? Team Tremendous. Who's that? Along with uh, it's Bill Dan Barry Carr. and um, Bill Dan Barry and I, who's the other guy? WWE Dutch. Oh, that's uh, Bill. Bill Carr. Bill Carr. Yeah. Uh, against Anti Fun Police. Anti Fun Police won. Um, I know. From I, I think I've if you were going to book Dan Barry uh, and you were going to book Bill Carr, you yeah. have to put them against the Anti Fun Police. Yeah, I'm going for that. Or Trent Seven. It, it would have been a good fun match to see. And um, yeah, always enjoying any fun place at the minute. Then it was Dennis versus Haskins. Um, apparently really good match with um, Dennis uh, 
turning the armbar into a crucifix to beat beat Haskins. Um, and then, oh, you're going to love this. <laughs> um, New Blood seen... versus Millionaires Club. It's happening, JP. Oh, yeah. Mambo, Eva, Oh, my Parker. God. Is the main event? I know, the semi-main. Oh. Um, and Trevay attack and destroy both Haskins and oh, Dennis. Right. Oh, they've They've taken the barbed wire back. Oh. Add to we were, the axe they took earlier. Oh, they took the axe. Uh, we were just talking think- about repackaging Haskins. I want him to come back and be like Stone Cold Hulk Hogan. You remember that Hulk Hogan run where he wore like the black jacket? <laughs> he had like the. He, he was yeah. all black, but he wasn't Hollywood. <laughs> and he was walking around with a bit of attitude like Steve Austin when he was in the Millionaires Club. That when he made the sort That's of OJ Simpson joke. He poss- and where he made that comment about. Um, Chris Canyon not being able to draw fleas at a flea market or, or something along those lines. Yeah, that, that run. Oh, Jesus. Uh, what OJ Simpson joke is this? He made, he, it was some reference in wearing black gloves when he was wearing oh all black God. in the promo and he was like making a reference about what, <laughs> what a man in black gloves does. I'm like, finger on the pulsar, Terry. Oh, yeah. Well, he tries it on at his own try or they don't fit him. <laughs> oh, no, no. no yeah. <laughs> do, do, yeah. Do you remember that story, New, New Blood Millionaires Club, where... Yeah, uh, it was all over the sheets that uh, that Randy Savage was annoyed that he was on the Millionaires Club side and he wanted to be on the New Blood side, and he was like sixty at the time and bald and <laughs> just brilliant, just some brilliance, just denial it, of self. It, oh, you know, it's it, oh, well, uh, I'll go, go I'll go to the main event. Main <laughs> event was Travis Banks and uh, David Starr. Oh, I'm sure that and, was good. Uh, yeah, uh, Dave here saying Christ, that was awesome. Um, I'll take his word for it on that one. Yeah, Travis Banks with with a, a slice of heaven. Then Banks attacks Star, and then Star hits Stan Hans. I think it just goes a bit wild at that point, beating up all the other guys by the the ring. So it seems to be that that's oh, going to so be all an these ongoing feud. Millionaire club blokes were out by the ring. No, 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 like the ring crew, the people in white. That was ropes. before the match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean right. that's a good slot, isn't it? I mean we've we've just talked about Star as a storm. Walter's not on the show, obviously. If you've got to end with something, that elevates him just being there in that match, doesn't it? I like that. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for Jimmy Avoc, Mark, and Mark Haskins to see what Eddie Dennis, though. It's going to be a stormer in it. Throw Mark yeah, flash in there as well. Flash, Mark Andrews. Oh, the Progress Originals. The OG of Progress. Oh, don't. <laughs> well, the, uh, it's a bit like that ECW. War, progress War one? Games, what do you reckon? Oh, well, yeah, that could be fun. They've got to save that for ICW. Save that for Joe Coffey and the boys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that dream feud that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> when, um, what was I going to say? What was the ECW feud as well that was similar? Like the new breed versus the originals. And there was that match at WrestleMania where Tommy Dreamer starts crying and Sabu looks really pissed off. <laughs> Sounds like Sabu. Who was the new breed? Like, um... It was like Elijah Burke and... Um... Ah, yeah, Matt Stryker. Oh, yeah. Snitsky. <laughs> I liked Elijah Burke in that moment. I thought so it was pretty I. cool. Yeah. You know? CM Punk think... tease joining them, didn't in the end. Good story. Yeah, yeah. Who else was in that? Oh, I'm trying to think of who else was in it. I'm, I'm, it's late and I'm having a mind blank, but Snitsky, <laughs> I remember, was in it because he had horrible teeth at that point or something, but... Yeah, it's, I suppose it's similar to that in a way, but yeah. Go. Glory is, so progress can only hope to be as uh, as good as that. And you yeah, know, they are inspiration from such great angles. So, yeah. and, and they fit in the WWE system just like ECW did back in the day. What are we, seventh brand of, seventh brand of WWE? It works. I think so. I think we're getting to Vauxhall Conference WWE Actually, stuff. Actually, should we work it out? Raw, SmackDown, NXT, I'm guessing, third? Yeah. 
205 Live fourth. Yeah, because they're running a lot NXT more. UK NXT UK fifth. NXT UK fifth. Progress sixth. Ah, okay. No, so what and then that... it's a WXW, ICW, WXW before ICW. So they're, so. they're yeah, like... WXW now. And WXW are closely challenging on those U, uh, UEFA Cups, uh, yeah. Euro, Europa League spots. And somewhere down doing Sunday League, it's Evolve. It's Gabe Sapolsky uh, with, with his magic sponge <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing your local <laughs> Sunday League team. That's how far down the players out. I'm just go, thinking. Yeah. While convincing himself that really he should be running a Premier League side. <laughs> Progress might be with a chance of a trip to Wembley, the FA Vars. That's one of the non-league sides every year, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's not, they're not quite at the level where they can get to the um, LDV vans or the Johnson's paint or the auto windscreen show, whatever it's called now. <laughs> Checker trade, trophy. Check trade trophy, trophy, yeah. But, you know, the, the Vars yeah. is up for grabs. One go. of my local teams, Tottenham FC, got, uh, won the Vars a few years ago. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> Damn, <Wembley. laughs> shall we uh, Shall we talk NXT UK before we go entirely insane? Yeah, you were there, weren't you? The, I was the... for my sins. Uh, Gareth, our good friend, the uh, the founder of the Grapple App, who you can find on Twitter at Grapple App. Um, now, you guys got me into star ratings. I'm sorry, this is completely much improved as well. We jumped the gun a little bit. We were uh, <laughs> we were telling people to download it maybe a little bit early, and I think there were some hiccups with the Android version, but it's uh, <laughs> it's all been rectified now. So I would recommend our listeners go check that out on uh, on Android and Twitter. But unrelated to the app, he had a, a spare ticket for uh, the NXT UK tapings in Liverpool. And at first I said no. I mean, a free ticket to go see WWE. Um, it's WWE. I just wasn't interested. I think it was maybe part of it is the fact that I was still dying from Poland. But I just didn't fancy it. And then I ended up, I got weak. And I was like, oh, go on then. What else am I doing on a Sunday night? I'll go. Can't turn down a free ticket to the wrestling. And it was an experience. It was <laughs> it was very much what I kind of expected. Uh, the fan makeup was really weird. That's one thing Gareth kept saying. It was like... It was hard to pinpoint who was there. It was like it wasn't a normal progress crowd, although there were a lot of progress t-shirts around. It felt a little bit like a defiant kind of crowd. Um and then it felt a little bit like a traditional WWE crowd. And to be honest, they were quite enthusiastic. I'd heard bad stories about the crowd from night one. Um at least where we were, it sounded like people were were bang into it. It's just a it's just a bit weird. The presentation of NXT UK, I don't particularly love the you know the the three lions stuff and the you know they, they love the the olympia is the perfect venue for them you know that's the kind of venue they're running isn't it um you know that that old school beautiful looking venue and being honest it was cool to be back in there and seeing it full like the old ring of honor days and not like some of the defiant one pw tna and other shows that i've been to uh, more recent ring of honor shows that i've been to uh, in that venue where it hasn't looked so good so that was that that's, the venue itself is definitely a positive i understand why they chose it but yeah just the the presentation of it i'm not going to surprise you but it was just i mean we've all been to the, i mean you've been to like the smackdown tna type multiple tapings haven't you in the past where Not it's kind of UK. like no never oh I've, never never done it well it's, it's a void in the uk i've never never had any appeal to me over here i've been to smackdown no, but, yeah i've been to one smackdown in madison square garden mm. i've been to a few roars when i've been in america before but not over here it can be a bit of a slog is kind of the thing it's like i think i went to went to one where there was like three smackdowns taped at once or oh, an impact God. one where there was three or four impacts being taped. And by the end, you're bearing the crowd out. And to the credit, I think they only did three ta- three tapings while I was there, three one-hour shows. So they kept it you know, moving quickly. But 
It just depends on your mileage. I mean, a big part of the story that we're about to get into is that you can see a lot of the dudes on these shows elsewhere doing more interesting stuff and just throw away TV matches with Wild Boar and Dave Mastiff and Joseph Connors versus El Aguero. Joe, I made a tweet about this and you want to see it, but I was just sitting there watching Joseph Connors against El Aguero and thinking, this is the building where I saw Nigel McGuinness versus Brian Danielson. How, <laughs> <laughs> how, this has fallen. Uh, obviously, it's had some very bad matches in the in the middle distance since as well, but there's just something about the... Yeah, I'm just not into WWE TV style, and that's kind of been my critique of the, the TV show as, as it runs. Yep. I just... I find it quite bland. As we just talked about, it's the... What did we say? Fourth or fifth rung on... Fifth rung on Six. WWE? Sixth, even. Conference South. Yeah, it's solid, but it's it's. I mean, you're really going to go out your way and watch the Conference South. You're not. Um, and I just, unless if I wasn't doing these podcasts, if I wasn't engaged in the in the Brit Res scene, and I was a just a, a WWE fan watching WWE content that they pump out at a seemingly unstoppable rate, NXT UK is so far down on on the priority list for me. Never mind the the people putting the shows together and that's just what it feels like it just feels like very paint by the numbers wwe stuff lots of middling boring mid carders like i say i picked on joseph connor's enough but you know the people like likes of him muscle cat um like i say i'm not a wild boar fan i know people are uh, dave mastiff in a prominent feud with uh, with eddie dennis eddie dennis who is fantastic on the NXT TV doing promos like what he's doing in progress. That's that's a match that's apparently happened at the big takeover show. It was all set up at the yeah. tapings that I was at. Sold out oh. that today. Yeah. Really I'm not, ex- not excited for that. Although part of the reason I think it's sold out is that it's a big event on a you know a, a destination thing. It's a takeover happening in the UK. They spent a lot of the taping setting up Jordan Devlin and Travis Banks. That's a match I'm on board for. Jordan Devlin particularly looked much more comfortable in the NXT UK setting than he did, say, this time last year or on the initial taping. So that's a positive. Travis Banks look good as well. And I think they're going to go into that takeover and they're going to absolutely kill it. Um, but yeah, there's just something about this brand that just doesn't excite me. It's It's that thing where I can just... And again, ties into the news story. I can see so many of these guys, or at least I could, up until this point elsewhere... It, there's just not much exciting for me about the the NXT UK experience. Yeah, I've tr- I've turned on NXT UK a couple of times ago. Nah, <laughs> I've turned off after about five minutes. Just everything I about kept, it kept so on falling bland. asleep the other day. Like, I'm just, there's so much to watch, and I don't mm. want to watch this. And yeah. also, I'm going to keep saying it. This is cynically produced wrestling, mm. cynically lazily produced wrestling, paint-by-the-numbers wrestling. There's oh. nothing about this that sets it apart. You want it's to talk paint-by-numbers, Joe Coffey doing his best imitation of like a generic WWE heel in a suit who talks slowly. Oh. And he's, you know, he's the big bad and he's yeah. doing his contract signing with Pete Dunne. If oh. anything, sums up NXT UK. Yeah. And there are positives, which I'll get into in a minute. That sums it up for me. Yeah, uh, Joe Coffey's someone I've never had any interest in anyway. I've never rated him. And that just sounds like... Some, uh, mate, people have sold out a building for a Pete Dunne versus Joe Coffey main event. Like, Pete Dunne versus Joe Coffey. You sold it out. Mm. That's I think people are bought into the experience. I think people are bought... Like, I went to the Blackpool NXT show and I went to the Blackpool WWE UK show and it's an incredible venue. And both times it was a killer atmosphere. I think people are going for that. Possibly, Mm -hmm. you know, 
Devlin Banks is going to kill it as well. I, I don't know how much of a draw that is, but I don't know if it's... I think they've gotten away with... You know, I mean, it's almost insulting to call it a takeover lineup. Being honest, I mean, it's almost yeah, absolutely. It's it's a progress B show. That's mm. what it is. Progress mm. B show and a great venue. To be honest, if you gave me a choice again to see this, or you gave me a choice again to see Strictly in Blackpool, at this point, I'd go with my girlfriend to see Strictly in Blackpool, and we'd have a great time watching. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Um, Claudia Winkleman and Tess Daly introducing <laughs> Frankie dancers. Rather than watching, I don't know, Johnny Saint and uh, Del Boy ripoff Sid Scala introducing wrestlers from ICW in really average settings. Like, mm. yeah, just this shite looks just I think... I've zero. I'll watch it, obviously, mm. but I've, my interest level for this is about zero at the moment. How anyone can get excited for joe coffee in a main event on this a show of this size just battles me the, the wolf gang as well as his backup yeah there's just oh god uh, golf wang it's just there's something about i think maybe wwe i've seen i, I mean I'm, I'm stealing this point wholesale i can't remember who made it but it's like wwe or maybe you know the progress guys who rumor has it are, are behind the creative of this stuff have just overestimated what icw is in kind of british wrestling right now or or maybe the the progress guys have got whatever the wrestling equivalent of white guilt is like english guilt uh of not using you know the scottish guys on their shows and have gone with joe coffee because i just don't like why is he in the main event when eddie dennis could talk people into that building for a pete Dunne match or zach gibson could talk people into the building for that pete Dunne match yeah. or a Joel- tyler bait rematch yeah, yeah. jordan devlin Mm. Uh, Devlin would be the one for me yeah Travis Banks yeah I was kind of shocked they didn't go for someone from the main main NXT roster yeah bring Hero in Hero and Pete Dunne I'd be up for that when Mm. when I heard about this happening one of the things I thought I thought wouldn't be surprised in six months time when their interest has really waned on it in terms of WWE themselves you'll end up with Saxon Huxley (laughs) (laughs) there's not a top guy why shits and giggles why not we can do it and they'll do that stuff it's it's just like uh, is, I, he, is, he, he, is he going to attract an audience in India though mate I, I don't think they you care. might attract an audience of Christians what the Jesus gimmick and all that stuff oh. but is, are the Christians well, their audience the Amir Jordan that's what you got for there you go yeah. I, I mean I, I know you better you're going to come on some positive th- thoughts about it but I struggle to stay awake watching this and it's probably just because there's a sheer relentless amount of content that has yeah. been on and especially when you're, you know, on a takeover, big pay, big four pay-per-view anyway, that's you're going to be watching as well as God knows how much other stuff. Mm. This has, and I was saying Progress had had edge to it at Chapter 78 and felt like a bit of a return to form. This is, this is zero edge. Yeah. There's no stakes. I am not in that. I don't care. It's like it, it, there's, there's no even trying to kind of get into character depth. Mm-hmm with it which is the wwe way there's no oh, we, we're not there's nothing raw about raw is there to steal a point from no. Matt galloway from rbr's podcast there's nothing raw about raw it's the most cooked show that exists out there and that this yeah. is the same thing isn't it microwave wrestling and it's almost like with this nxt uk they've kind of completely missed the point on what made british wrestling hot and it was partly that you had this really good crop of completely wrestling bonkers young people who decided they were just going to had had complete freedom of expression mm. because they were working on this kind of localized scale and then it got really hot and it appears to be that every single most of the matches there 
that I've seen anyway, none of them have been, I found particularly exciting. Never anything more than really, that was good. Yeah, really enjoyed that. But there's nothing that I've gone berserk over. And it just seems to be that they, they kind of misread the market in the UK. It was an adult audience that started making wrestling hot and they make wrestling that's aimed at preteens. Mm. That's what they actually produce, mass content. That's what they want. Well, we're not the audience, apparently. <laughs> so who are they yeah. making this for, then? Because yeah. I can't see any casuals watching this. Like, then yeah, why, why would you? an adult product exist? And I'm jumping the gun on yeah, it. Yeah. It's a niche product. Like, Yeah, you can argue NXT generally is aimed at an audience of wrestling fans. That's the core wrestling group of people that we aim the product at, and mm. this is following that. But it's Nobody really watches not- NXT's TV, though, do we? Like, it's, it's aimed directly at us. Do any one of us ever watch the NXT TV? I don't know anyone who watches last it anymore. Weekend, I, uh, last week, I skipped through, like, eight episodes. I, wow. I enjoy the NXT TV when I watch it, but I liberally skip through it while I'm in bed for, like, mm. 20 minutes and watch a little bit. <laughs> And then when I'm on the toilet. So it's, I find it really easy to watch. And I do quite enjoy it most of the time. Um, but I don't watch every single like morsel of it. I just watch the bits I'm interested in. So mm. I don't know if Cachet's yeah. doing something yeah. or Velveteen Dream or Gaga. There's enough I'll casual squashes in there that you can avoid. Street, yeah, uh, street and profits. Like, I wanted to see Riddle's debut, which yeah. he mm. was great. He was really, he was a star. Oh, he'd be great on this. Imagine putting him on the first takeover, keep him in the UK. He's oh. basically a UK guy anyway. Him and Pete Dunne in the main event, I'd take that. JP will probably get free tickets at this rate. No. <laughs> I mean, I do want to say before we get onto the big subject, I mean, I didn't. There was a British Strong Style six-man with that Gallus lot that was. It was your typical British Strong Style six-man. I enjoyed it. There was a grizzled young ta- uh, vet tag with Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. I liked it. Mark Andrews is overexposed to like a ridiculous point at this at this stage. A tag team makes sense for me with him. I'm not sure if Flash Morgan Webster's the guy for that, but Flash Morgan Webster did look good in this match. And I thought uh, Zia Brookside looked good on the show as well. Uh, kind of made the we were talking about it at the show. It kind of made the crack that like Zia Brookside is she's like the second generation Brookside wrestler now, and it's like I think it's been what 15, 16 years since Brookside went off the air. There were definitely people in that crowd in Liverpool who only associate Brookside with the wrestling family rather than the TV show. That's how far we've come. We've I gone know from- what I'd say. I'd, t- <laughs> I'd be taking the TV show any day. Like Trevor Jordash <laughs> being stabbed in the back, under the patio, Jimmy Corkill and the old heroin addiction, and the head teacher of a school in a right. five-year period. Yeah, just, oh, how, does he, how does he pass a check? In order to get a job as a head teacher, I was I was really bothered about that at the time. They were and struggling for teachers in Liverpool. Man. I knew nothing. Yeah, those people really doing those checks don't know what they're doing either. Yeah, they were educating like <laughs> the so, you know, look how he's turned out. <laughs> ICW did use him on a show as well. Uh, they had to. That was one of the that, most inspired pieces of booking ever. I love yeah. that. They built it over weeks as well, didn't they? With all the videos on YouTube, that was the inspired ICW. That's what WWE could have done here. Brought in some uh, from stars from Brookside. Uh, yeah, or my brother once spoke to Mark Dallas and told him he needs to bring like Beppe or Dean Gaffney in for a show in London, and he apparently was like, "Yeah, I'll work on it." Never happened. Uh, but Dean Gaffney would turn up. You know, he'd turn up for a pint and oh like, yes. oh, he'd be in. Probably plenty of women around for him to scout as well, so that would always be temptation <laughs> for Gaffney. Wellard would be out there snipping away, <laughs> trying to scout the talent for him. But I digress. Um, <laughs> where were we? Yeah, well, Brookside loved it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, on topic. Were I mean, you a yeah. big fan, Benno? Sorry, and I, I, we never want to go go into stereo. Early days, not the later days. Was it like the the, the two thousand three or so? Have finished. It, it got yeah. a bit trashy for me then. Um, I went all over the place. What happened in the end? Did the place just explode? I remember the last scene was Jimmy Corkill like walking over the. <laughs> there was some like big terrorist attack, or so. There was like helicopters over the close. Or it's kind of what they did in Emmerdale. I've never been to Brookside Close either. It blew my mind as a kid right. to find out it's a real place. Can we go? Really? Next time we're up north, can we go? Let's yeah. go for it. People people just live there. It's just the street that people yeah, live on. Didn't a chap Phil Redman persuade Channel 4 to buy the entire close? Oh, is that true? I didn't know. Yeah, that. I'm a big Phil Redman fan. I love a bit of Grange Hill as well. <laughs> I think he's a great writer. One of the best writers in the history of British television, but I'll save that for my British television uh, history podcast. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll do that next time you come up. I, gar- I, I, I honestly guarantee it. We will make that trip. We'll uh, head out, and it'll be a first for me as well. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, WWE didn't use any Brookside stars. Just so yeah, who looked decent on the show. Um, but again, the main thing reason we're talking about NXT UK is is the news story that came out today. Um, I've had some pushback on this. I mean, PW Insider have kind of confirmed it in their own way. Wrestle Talk initially broke the story. Uh, it's something that, I mean, if you had your eyes open, it was clear that it was going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. And it ties into my one of my biggest takeaways from going to these NXT UK shows was, I can see these dudes anywhere. And I was kind of tripping myself up thinking that, thinking, you know what? That's kind of a weird problem to have, to have WWE contracted wrestlers that you can say, I, I can see them in better places than this. And... I don't know. I mean, maybe if I was them, if I was in, if I was running NXT UK, I wonder whether I'd want that. I kind of understand mm-hmm. it from that from a business point of view. I think it sucks, and I think it's gonna it's gonna hurt the scene, and it it, it pulls back all uh, you know the nonsense that Riga was spouting a couple of years ago about how you know there's no restrictions and uh, we're not here to kill the scene um, and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, a, yeah. it's a lot of things no, coming out of this. Yeah, is what you should have said. <laughs> That's it. I mean, two years have gone by. There is that as well. Uh, but yeah, what do you yeah, make of it? When I think Vince McMahon was, you know, um, when he was sending his tapes out to people for free in 1982, and they were like, oh, this guy's really cool, sending us his tapes to put on for free in 1982. <laughs> you know, 1983 came along, and the AWA got raided, and stuff got bad. Then 1984 came along, and he had Black Saturday, and... Mm-hmm. TBS and Georgia and all all that went on there and then everyone started realising what Vince McMahon was doing and the old playbook has come out 35 years later <laughs> and you know unfortunately our, our scene is going to suffer so mm. you know I feel bad for all of those in I don't know mm. Lafayette Louisiana in 1982 and those in I don't know uh, St Paul Minnesota because mm. Yeah, this sucks. This yeah. really sucks. And WWE's got its place, and I don't think its place is here, and I hope they fuck off. As a, <laughs> as, as a thought from this, um, how much of this has really already been in place? Mm. For, yeah. for, oh, there's for already time. the week before thing, isn't there, where you can't work certain promotions the week before yeah. you've got a, a WWE UK and NXT UK match. Didn't WXW Which, have to do like a 30-second Tony Storm seconds. match last week? It was like yeah. five seconds. Christ. Yeah. Because she can't wrestle a week before. Mm. Now, we've obviously been talking earlier on in the show about sort of New Japan restrictions for this. Um, at the same time, it's not restricting other people who are on other cards. Um, 
the way I've, I've come to feel with this is we've got this kind of mixture of factors of this is good for WWE themselves. It's good for the wrestlers, but it's bad for the fans. It's good for the wrestlers and, if they get paid. Yeah, it is. If they get real contracts. If they get real contracts. And we don't know how much it is other than this. It's an increase, which I'm sure is to deal with, with that as well. They're not going to be working as much. And they said about some of them being possibly available. I mean, we've still got to say like this, this hasn't been confirmed, but if history as Joe has already told us, tells us anything, this is the, the playbook that they go by. Mm. And they've decided that, that this is what they're going to do. It, it's which promotions are now kind of with them in a sense, what kind of talent they're going to get, because it's going to lead to this kind of tiered system where if you want to, you want to see Pete done now, you're paying 40 quid. Yeah. You're not paying 20. <laughs> is, is Jordan Devlin going to still appear in OTT? They're not well, necessarily an affiliate. PW Insider not. kind of listed the went further and listed the promotions they believe people are going to be able to work. They included Progress, ICW, WXW, curiously Future Shock Wrestling, where uh, the man who may or may not be William Regal's son debuted the other week, um, and also OTT was listed there. But that seems odd, doesn't it? That seems like a weird outlier, and surely the New Japan relationship becomes an issue that. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I'm assuming if they're still using New Japan guys, they can't be anywhere near the WWE guys in matches. So I suppose you know they've got a book around that. But I'm going to assume that the only WWE guys that OTT might use going forward are going to be Walter and Jordan Devlin. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was them, I'd probably steer clear of any, you know, booking um, kind of headaches that would definitely cause. But this is just, uh, you know, we called this. When we started this podcast, how long have we been doing this now? Almost two years. Almost we've been two saying years. this. From, yeah, yeah, we've been saying this from day one that they're here for one reason and one reason only, and we got we got kicked back from people saying that's not true. And oh, you know, just, like, just you know, breaking news here: tweet from Jordan Devlin. I'd hardly be able to call myself the Irish Ace if I wasn't allowed to wrestle in my home for OTT wrestling. Oh, excellent! That's really good. Here to stay. Yeah, yeah, that's really good news. I'm happy to hear that. Um, but ha- for how much longer? <laughs> when when will yeah. that stop? You know, it, it seems like it's all very gradual, bit by bit by bit. They're chipping away. When his value increases and they start to and see what he ends up being able to draw, at that point, then he get taken away to the kind of tiered level. Of yeah, wrestler yeah, yeah. who it, you're not allowed to see, or possibly will let him play musical chairs at one of your shows. It's a kind uh, of entertaining little throwback. Uh, um, <laughs> when everyone went mad, it was a WWE superstar playing musical chairs at yeah. their show. Great, it's, cool. It's, I mean, it's it's very hard not to look past this as being just a really bad thing. There is some financial security involved, but we've already seen what's happened in terms of the oversaturation of a lot of the wrestlers being only able to work certain places and the limitations on the matches that that's ended up creating. Well, it, and that I think has had an effect on audiences. Well, it makes me wonder how successful this is actually going to be and how long they're going to remain here. That's it. If the market has been completely oversaturated, look at the numbers for their latest tour. Wembley, their Wembley, they drew less than progress at Wembley. Um, yeah. I mean, that was progress's biggest show. Yeah. Different. It was hyped in a different way. Still, WWE show. That's SmackDown. That's SmackDown drew less than progress. That Manchester show that they did. I mean, a year ago. I think I mentioned it on this show and on my other show. I went to. I went. I went there to watch AJ Styles win the WWE title, and they come back a year later and they do less numbers for a proper WWE show than 
progress did. That says something about what's yeah. going on with this market right now and the oversaturation and the weird place WWE's in in general in this market anyway. Yeah, and I think if they're not drawing great numbers, the show's going to be profitable. Obviously, sometimes you say you run... Um, you run developmental if this is developmental it's really not is it but you run it in sort of the the long tail i suppose you run it at a loss and you make your money back elsewhere Mm. um perhaps they can argue that but in all honesty um i know it says that they've you know renegotiated certain contracts but it's going to be really interesting to see how long they stick around because i just for some reason something says to me this isn't going to be a long-term thing for some reason i can see this sticking around for a couple of years and then i can see it merging into like nxt europe or i can see it going away and then not continuing with it um i know vince probably isn't really involved but wwe have a tendency to get bored with other brands when they start them up you think of like the the reimagining of ecw uh for example you think of uh i don't know shotgun saturday night like these little kind of niches within the audience sort of yeah, they go away after a little while nxt has been wildly successful obviously but yeah this is going to be an interesting one because of costs i think as well i just really hope that I don't know. Fair play to the guys that have got the contracts, but it just feels like they're chipping away bit by bit. We've heard rumours as well, and, you know, it's only rumour, nothing substantiated on this, and I did try to... I was trying to call uh, a certain venue to find this out as well, but that WWE have booked York Hall for three nights in a row in late April. You know, if they booked York Hall for three nights in a row... What are they trying to do it? They're trying to kill another company. They're trying to take away their home venue and they're trying to put their stamp on it. You know, that's vile, disgusting behavior. Mm. That is a big fucking giant trying to kill the little man because they wouldn't go along with their deal. This is like petty, 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 like Ooh. horrible, like ultra capitalism in play here. It's a monopoly that's allowed to exist. Yeah. With no restrictions on it whatsoever, because, and you've raised this point several times, Bella. Whenever, whenever they do something really terrible, whenever something really bad happens, Pete, you tend to go. So it's only wrestling, and for some reason, it, it just sort of falls through the cracks. Mm. And uh, in this case, because it's wrestling, these kind of deeply anti-competitive practices from people who you know seem to say they love the free market, but they want to own it. And I think part of the reason that the numbers aren't good is people will go along and find out actually that the wrestling is all quite uninspired generally. And that's partly the, the other worrying effect of it is mm. you're going to have this nondescript style that pretty much exists within British wrestling, but it's going to be agented to fuck and it's going to be sort of, no, you need to bring it back down. So any of those kind of great wild matches that we would have seen that made the British scene hot are not going to be allowed to exist in this universe and they certainly won't be able to swear or anything like that. And so I'm not saying swearing needs to be a big part of it, but the kind of adult fans who go to things like progress um, are being not being catered at all. I get what you're saying. Sometimes, like, and I'm not saying this will be the case here. I think agenting can be a positive thing when it's used in the right way. Yes. Yeah, Look at sorry, actual yeah. NXT. I think some of the agent in actual NXT, they really accentuate the positives of basically everyone there. Look at Shayna Baszler. She's limited as a wrestler, but yeah, they yeah. 
they get the most out of it. I think Ricochet has come on leaps and bounds, and he was great, like one of the best in the world before he went to WWE. I think he's even better now that he's got a little bit of direction there as well, and he's maybe working with some agents and some experienced hands. But what I've seen on these NXT UK shows is, like, yeah, you've put it right, it's diluted WWE. It's di- diluted British wrestling that we've yeah. been getting there's nothing british or uniquely british about the products whereas one of the things that made progress i think really stand out especially stand out to american friends of mine who were really into progress is how uniquely british it was as a product as a product uh, if anything this is not a uniquely british product this is a sanitized product that is based in the uk it's global wrestling that's what mm. this is it's not um wrestling that feels like it exists in a marketplace it's wrestling designed to have a stake in a country or in a territory so everyone else who dares do business and dares trade at any level in wrestling can fuck off (laughs) while at the same time creating everlasting content to go on this everlasting network where we just get a churn of content constantly put on all of it basically the same at times apart from nxt yeah it feels like a poorly curated network at times yeah it feels like they don't maximize what they could with that god forbid there's any diversity at all in any of the kind of shows (laughs) and styles well they're going to get that diversity when they put icw on the network and they get a sharp shock as to what this thing is that they've signed um but yeah it's like I mean, part of, like, you mentioned there about the, you know, will this increase numbers for NXT UK? And it probably won't. I, I mean, I being at the Liverpool show, it wasn't as dead as I saw it reported, even in, in this story that came out. To me, it looked pretty busy um, as a starting point. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, are people really... Are people going to spend £35 now to go see Pete Dunne rather than go to a local show, whatever that might be? Uh, I'm not 100% that that's going to happen. But also, I mean, I suppose as a positive, if, you know, the indie wrestling fans, the likes of us, there's almost, a, I mean, the, do you believe there's a positive in there and do you believe the reserves are there for, you know, some kind of backfilling situation for for, for other wrestlers to take opportunities? Is the, the depth of field to kind of fill the gaps that are going to be left behind now? Are, are there, I mean, RevPro, have kind of, we talked earlier on the show, they've been trying mm-hmm. to do that, but they've had to lean heavily on New Japan. They're certainly not there yet with establishing their own guys. I kind of like that there's going to be maybe a hard line of differentiation. I think it's definitely going to hurt the the promotions. It hurt RevPro. It's going to hurt the, I mean, the smaller promotions, you know, just your likes of your, your Shindy Tidal. users. Yep. Not, I mean, I wouldn't count them as a Shindy, but, you know, oh, your God, smaller man. companies who use El Liguero every weekend. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I saw someone tweet about that that it's going to be the first year where he only does a hundred matches. I think that was Mark Buckley. That was yeah. a good one. Uh, yeah. But you know, people who you know, people who we make fun of him, but people who use Joseph Connors, uh, it's going to have an effect on those guys, isn't it? And it's whether I think a big question in this is going to be whether other people can can step up and and actually fill those roles. Do we actually have the reserves for that? Yeah, it's a big opportunity for for guys like, say, Chris Brooks, who obviously got a lot of attention when he didn't sign that contract in mm. May, June this year. You know, he's over. I'm not convinced that he has stepped up. He hasn't turned into a lot, has he? No, no, he feels like he's very much at the same level. Um, yeah, I think there are 
definitely a few issues surrounding surrounding Brooks. I think it's a confidence thing to some degree as well. I find it really interesting that he dropped out of bowler, mm. um, and I just wonder whether that was a confidence thing, and he wondered whether he could go at that level, but Europe had to go out in bowler, and he didn't go because he felt that he maybe couldn't. I don't know. That's just me speculating that. But mm. to get back onto the subject, to me at the moment, WWE UK feels very much like Roman Abramovich coming here in 2003 and taking over Chelsea and just going, right, I'll have that guy, I'll have that guy, yeah, we'll sign him, yeah, good British yeah. guy, yeah. We'll Their just, transfer policy we'll, was, see who Arsenal want to sign and then add 10 million yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and they loan him out to, to, I mean, Progress can be the, the team that gets the players loaned out to, and ICW bit, can bit be the... Well, Alex, Alex, Arnhem of... Uh, of, well, of they, wrestling. they signed Alexei Smirtin because he was Russian. He was Russian captain, and they said Pompey could have him for a season. He was pretty good at Pompey. I've got to say, Redknapp was well happy with his performance. But at the same time, Joe Cole went there and just became a squad player. Glenn Johnson, <laughs> Scott Parker, these guys who were like really good at the time from West Ham, that great West Ham academy with them years ago, and then they ended up basically filling yeah. space on benches and not getting games. And it just feels kind of similar if they've got unlimited cash unlimited resources and they can tempt these guys with some guaranteed money i don't know and resting their body up a little bit like it's a sweet deal like i don't sort of blame the guys for taking the deals like i get it no that's but at the same time there's nothing that feels big about this like i don't know when i don't know when players used to get big moves you used to, i used to get really excited when like the transfer record would be broken i don't know mm. i remember when alan shearer went to newcastle for 15 million mega excited i remember when christian vieri went to inter milan for 30 million i was mega excited about that because i loved inter milan at the time all of these big deals it feels now like signing with wwe you know and cm punk signed in 2005 huge excitement brian signed i was excited when kevin owen signed and that is mark pictures of triple h great stuff right it was mm. kind of cool seeing these guys move on now signing for wwe isn't a novelty signing for wwe now is just like oh yeah some oh. of them guys oh my god oh my god how can you get excited about i don't know flash morgan webster signing a contract for eight grand for six months like good on him he's got some money in the bank mm. and this bloke he's a good wrestler but there's nothing exciting about this i just no. don't get what anyone can get excited over about this it's gonna no. make the wrestling scene here less diverse to some degree it's going to make it more sanitized mm. i think um i would understand if people were, were were less um interested in getting into promotion because of what might happen if you grow to a certain size and you dare even consider trading in a business that wwe should only be allowed to trade in because you know they own wrestling and they are wrestling in their fucking opinion the arrogant cunts um <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm ranting now, aren't I? No, I think there's a there's a good point there. In, in this is that, worth the rant. I think the the promotions that are left behind, it, it kind of teaches the value in kind of like they're losing individual dudes. Like it's the promotions with the stronger brands that are hopefully going to mm. keep their fans and keep people still coming back um, and kind of survive this weird storm that we're in. Um, I don't know. I mean, on the other point that you mentioned as well, I think that. The contract thing, like you say, no one gets excited when people sign these NXT UK deals. I think I'd feel better about it all if I found out that, you know, these WWE contracts now, these NXT UK contracts that people are signing, actually, you know what, a WWE contract, it means a WWE contract. You're a full-time WWE guy, and, you know, there are negatives to that, but you get paid like a full-time guy, you get all the care that a full-time guy gets. And then that would make more sense, but this almost feels like a mushy middle ground that... 
I'd love to know the numbers on those contracts. Are, are they getting much more? I mean, through someone else that I know I heard of a, an NXT UK wrestler who was, he was pushing back saying that nothing has actually changed with the contracts. And, you know, at, at first I was thinking, oh, yeah, maybe this story's bullshit, but actually maybe both things can be true. And all WWE are doing, uh, enforcing these daft rules that they kind of had in a vague way in the past. Yeah. And it wouldn't, it would not surprise me if the wrestlers were getting not, nothing extra for it. They were just kind of getting a pat on the back and going, "Yeah, you can only work these places. Um, good luck. These are our approved brands. Uh, also, by the way, you can't work five or six days before our matches or whatever it is." And they're left in the same situation. I almost think, yeah, I think it'd be easier to stomach if we were also hearing that they were getting these super improved deals and they were going to be proper touring WWE talent. Um, mm-hmm. From a ta- from from the wrestler point of view, I think that'd make it a little bit easier to take. Yeah, it would be, but we all know that that's not going to be the case. Mm. And yeah. this is the and this is the horrible cynicism. And I, and I think back to it was you were saying earlier on from the very start, always never hidden our skepticism of WWE, and that's being <laughs> polite about it. But one of the things when you know when we all started to kind of effectively fall out with progress it was at the point you know it was partly it was the it was the music and wwe kind of almost oh as, stuff like oh, oh there are mates our mates it, it's yeah it was that moment i genuinely would pin it down to being in the ballroom when they announced the cruiserweight classic was happening in progress and the indie fan in me expected the fans to boo maybe maybe i was a bit daft and and, and the place erupted with cheers and i remember standing there and just looking at you two and going eh, i don't like this yeah and I think ever since then, this has been on the cards. And they've done it by stealth and they've kind of worked their way in. And there are people who are going to make, you know, who, and again, it's not blaming people for making these decisions. If you, you know, God, if you have any kind of responsibility to anyone else in this life, you kind of have to make sure that you're sort of earning and supporting your significant others. But at the same time, just for us as a fan, what is going to be the practical result of this? Mm. We're going to see less of those less of those top wrestlers in the uk on a regular basis unless we go to certain shows or go to nxt uk where we'll be expended to pay oh, twice I as won't much be going. No. i'm not going near nxt uk that, that's it yeah mm. and knowing full well where it is at the moment you know as much as i might find the novelty and having a, a top faction named after a arsenal center half who <laughs> who's <laughs> not synonymous with a, necessarily a great time in recent history. Um, I, you know, I do feel so unenthused. I bet Raymond Domenech feels the same and as well. It, you know, sorry. this is, if you're supporting, if you're supporting this, it, I always like to make like a Star Wars reference to it, but, you know, never has playing the Imperial March at the start of a progress show tonight. as that would have been played <laughs> seem more apt to a certain degree. Oh, mate, that is good. <laughs> oh. that's very good i've got to say yeah nah. i'm all very depressed now I yeah mean, I, I was gonna say as well i think it's well, gonna affect morale amongst well us and various I, fans as well and... i don't i mean i think i think rev pro is still gonna be doing rev pro i think fight club pro yeah but if the attendance start falling further as well, well i don't know and then that's another if thing that this ties in, isn't it? things true and they've got a maybe they put a hold on york Hall when they've mm. got an exclusivity right that they put on York Hall as well. Mm. That kind of I don't, I don't know any of this. This is my, me speculating, but this yeah, yeah, yeah. 
screws over Rev Pro to some degree, and they've got to find another London-based venue where they can run their mm-hmm. shows as well. And it takes away that kind of iconic venue, which, let's be honest, Rev Pro went back to, and Rev Pro got wrestling back mm-hmm. into after the whole FWA debacle, or was it was it RQW? I can't remember. Um, but anyway, you know. It's, it would be such a fucking shame. And, you know, how dare a man like Andy Quilden dare to make a living yeah. and buy, get a mortgage and raise a family from wrestling in a country? What a crime that man has committed. And, you know, why? Go, how could he go on a podcast and say bad things about such a great company that do great things for people out there and give money to a great breast cancer charity and have their pink ropes once a year and all the rest of it and also go to countries to, you know... Um, try and progress the situation in quite horrible, mm. oppressive countries. You know what a what a progressive force for good they are in that country. You know, ah, oh, sorry, I am off on one, aren't I? <laughs> what well, I was thinking of a positive way to kind of almost sort of ring What kind of ways are there? And this is sort of between us trying to kind of think what ways are there of the scene kind of being able to kind of move past what sort of positive things I'm like thinking, for example, I would like to see, um, sort of an invest trying to get some of the young OTT talent. And it depends on if, and I hope to Christ, there is no arrangement there. Cause that would be well, mate, genuinely the heartbreaking. UK performance center starts up and they move to, I don't know, Manchester, let's yeah. say for argument's sake, where the UK performance center is and the young Irish lads, uh, you know, are living in Manchester and training yeah. every day. No. So, sorry. <laughs> That's well, what they want, though, that... isn't it? They want it to be like a like a legitimate sporting system where it's them that are developing the wrestlers. And Triple H will talk I... on conference calls about how he wants a, a strong kind of indie scene, but I think he wants an indie scene. He just wants it under his thumb, doesn't he? That's yeah, kind of... control it. They're control freaks. They can't yeah. have any out of their out of their remit, really. Yeah, mm. it is. It's it, you know. It... Thinking of other ways, yeah, so trying to think of sort of other things like the idea now, if you care about wrestling as much as, as we clearly do, mm. support your local indie. Yeah. That becomes much more essential as anything. Support your local indie. They need your money much more than NXT or, you know, the, the WWE will ever need it. Perhaps Triple H should get the Warrior Award this year, you know, that great award named after a racist homophobic fellow um that they love to lionize for yeah. reckon the uk scene because i think that'll be apt and that'll be appropriate or he should get it for being you know a dark prince who can put a smile on him pretend he's your best friend but then go and stab you in the back really uh yeah it's uh, hilarious isn't it really um, i think i think if, if nxt uk was good that would help to your point jv i mean yeah. if, if it was a product to be even you know being jaded about the business reasons and why they are where they are and why they're doing what they're doing if it was something i was genuinely excited about that would help but it's not so it doesn't help and it'd be cold comfort anyway i kind of like the the monday night wars kind of living through that finding me kind of almost likes that there's distinct sides now maybe like is too strong but yeah you know rather than the fucking gray area that we've had for so long we don't know where anybody stands i suppose at least we know where we stand in some ways although you know it's a pretty shitty position for 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 a lot of companies i i think you know if you're looking for positives hopefully like like we said about uh, RevPro, they can establish some of their guys. Fight Club Pro have got a a real uphill battle if they end up on the wrong side of this. Maybe the Trans Seven uh, relationship is gonna you know Trans Seven run and Fight Club Pro is gonna help things there, and that they're, they're mm. gonna be all right. 
I think attack is already very much its own thing. Um, OTT are in a weird grey area, but it's going to demand of promotions uh, in an already wildly oversaturated marketplace to kind of stand out and, and be something unique. And that's the other point. It's, you know, I said, you know, if NXT UK was good, I could take this, but the other problem is i mean can the can the scene i think we found the answer to that over the last few months with rev pro not selling out with progress tonight not selling out i know it was on a monday but still um there's That's a big there's news a that ballroom show didn't sell out big news there's well there's an oversaturation there isn't there there's a yeah. there's a i think there's just so many if you're a british wrestling fan so many different places asking for your money and now NXT UK coming in even more heavy-handed than the last couple of years. It just only stretches so far, doesn't it? And I think we mm-hmm. are, you know, with that progress issue. I don't know, did they sell out at the last minute, JP? I know it took them a while. Um, I don't want to say that outright, but I know that it wasn't a, you know, a, a minute sellout like their normal shows. And again, it wasn't a Monday, but like you say, Joe, you know, the Rev Pro shows haven't been quite up to what you might have expected uh, it does feel like there's just a heavy oversaturation and can the market withstand an NXT UK product, ITV World of Sport and, you know, the rest of our, you know, indie scene? Yeah, I think as well, one of the things to think about as well is I think you had a lot of fans who were traveling lots and lots mm. of years to shows and being willing to travel to shows. So, that you know, if you're getting 600 fans at the Starworks on a Friday night, yep. uh, they weren't necessarily all coming from Wolverhampton or the Midlands. You know, we would come up from the south, you would come down from the north, we'd meet in the middle. It was a nice meeting place. Mm. be honest with you, I thought to myself a few years ago when this all started kicking off, this ain't going to last forever. I've got. I'm going to make the most of this, and I'm going to get to as many shows in as many different places around the country, mm. and try and see as many companies as possible. Because, you know, I want to live in that moment and experience what this scene is at the moment. Mm. And I sound really downbeat, but it feels like, yeah, to some degree, it's coming to an end um, because of WWE. Um, which really sucks, but maybe it would have met a natural conclusion in terms of the audience dropping because of the oversaturation and the fact that, you know, I haven't been to Fight Club Pro for a year now. Um, I I stopped going to as many shows this year because it was tough on the bank balance, number one. Um, I was maybe neglecting my girlfriend a little bit, number two, and maybe wasn't seeing as much as some other friends uh, for number three because... I was going to so many wrestling shows. Look, mate, if you were sick of JP, just say oh, it's fine. That's fair I enough. see JP every day. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, um, as much as he may dislike oh. getting my passenger seat every day, um, <laughs> most days anyway. Um, but yeah, I wonder if a few other people have had a, maybe a similar sort of mindset and a picking and choosing shows they go to now. You know, recently I've really only gone to Rev Pro shows because they're on my doorstep and they're easy for me to get to because I'm based in the South and they're kind of my local promotion. And really, the wrestling they put on is most in line with what I want out of wrestling. Um, Progress, which isn't too far for me to go either in London. I, you know, I've <laughs> made my feelings known about them, so I've not gone to their shows. I think people maybe have picked and choose a little bit more in the last year or so, <clears throat> and therefore that is why attendances have fallen ever so slightly. Mm. What do you think, JP? Are you, see, are you seeing that? Is it kind of... If, do you think it's real? Do you think uh, Do you think 2018 was the, was the peak? Because, um, oh. yeah, we've... 
the last two years have felt like a holding pattern, waiting for NXT UK and waiting for ITV World Sport to see what would happen. It's all kind of happened now, and yeah, I don't see 2019 being better than 2018, if anything. Personally, I could see it going the opposite way. Um, Maybe not drastically, but I do think maybe we've uh, we've hit the peak and we're on our way down. Yeah, it's very much the Empire Strikes Back in terms of wrestling years. Good reference. Um, it really is. It, it that that's how this feels. It's going to be a year of uh, part of the reason I'm, I suppose I'm slightly more hopeful. When I think of it is the people running a lot of these companies tend to be a lot more on the money than they previous better have been ready. Were. I tell you yeah. what, JP. I mean, if we've been talking about it for two years, these promotions should have been ready. Yeah. They should be yes. ready. All these promotions putting the belt on Walter should have been yeah. ready for this to possibly happen. Yeah, that's that's the state of affairs. There, there, there is. There's a big attack coming. And, you know, I know it sounds all very overly dramatic, but we see what's going to happen. And, you know, it's going to start off with these trends. But hopefully the companies are better prepared. I think there is a next level of talent that will end up coming through and perhaps little bits of it that we would have seen, but generally burgeoning. Think about the amount of people who are going to training now on a full time basis and hoping that a lot of those are going to be gaps to almost kind of like sink, sink or swim. And there'll be some real good that comes out of that. And that is the kind of potential for that to be in play. There is a lot of promotions who I think are going to really suffer here. And there's going to be a lot of kind of very, I could see a a WWE affiliated company running in the same sort of small market or city as another company on the same night. I don't think we're kind of beyond those kind of promotional tactics because I don't put that kind of stuff past them. So it's going to get nasty. So I think 2019 at best might just be a year of kind of consolidating your existence and developing as as much young talent as you can do to try and build the kind of uh, some kind of broad base on which to draw from. Well, let's hope we don't. Hoping to God they're not just plucked up from excuse. Well, let's hope we don't get the performance center anytime soon. That's it. I'm just thinking to myself, that performance center, do you reckon we'll have like, the you know, dud. Like, well, but you know, that some of the guys they recruit can lift weights, there. but fuck all else. Do you reckon we'll have like Jermaine Pennant turning up at the performance center? I'd take that. <laughs> great, I'd, like, I'd see that. Great yeah. athlete, former soccer player. <laughs> let's get him in. Look, if, if Sky you know, Sports News start properly covering it, I mean, Grant I'm, Holt. Oh yeah, oh Grant Holt. Yeah, I could see that. He's he might be a bit old though. Uh, it's Boss Pennant, like 30, 34? Nah, he's not thirty-five, thirty-six. Well, he's on Jeremy Kyle recently. He's got a bit of publicity as well, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Harry sorry, Kane versus to... Kane. That could. That, that's a dream match. Could happen. <laughs> I always wanted Rooney versus Wade Barrett. It never happened. No. Oh. There you go. Maybe you know Rooney's on his way out. Maybe it could happen. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, that's. I mean, that's definitely the next step, isn't it? That we're getting. A, we're getting our performance centre. Germany's getting one. It's yeah. worldwide domination. All good stuff. Uh, <laughs> anything to, to close on that? Um, <laughs> shit, I'm very depressed. We got yeah, any? Feels like the end of well, like. A is there any standards in- analogy we can make? Is there something that can cheer us up? I, t- I tell you what, this is. This episode is the. Little Mo and um, Trevor. and Trevor episode on Christmas Day. It's it's the bleak oh, episode. The, um, it feels yeah. has got a kind of like red wedding ish vibe to it. This one, mm, yeah. For this, it feels like it's it's, it's proper kitchen sink drama. Yeah. Triple H is Trevor. He's um you know 
lovely bloke, yep. comes down the pub, he has a pint, you know, props up the bar, he has a nice chat, takes the mark pics on the selfie, everyone goes, oh, he's changed, mm-hmm. oh, he's a lovely bloke. Now, don't trust him, don't trust right. him. Get him behind closed doors, the old tactics start coming out. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's the Trevor of uh, WWE, that's for sure. And the British scene is the little Mo. Perfect. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Not the best we're, one, but you know. We're going out on brand uh, that way. <laughs> we are. <laughs> uh, anything else from you guys before we go? Anything to plug, JP? Do you want to plug your Twitter? Uh, yes, you can find me at JP, Jippy, three E's. <laughs> sound very depressed now don't I'm saying that Jesus that was, yeah. Christ that was the saddest possible plug of your, your Twitter there JP uh, you can follow me at Benson Richard E you can follow the Indie Corner at the Indie Corner uh, head to the IndieCorner.com right now there's a up, there's a 1PW article there a retro article looking at the, the company in 2006 do we miss those days? I'm not so sure. Uh, there's some Wrestle One coverage from uh, Pure Reviews, Luke Hickey, uh, and, and a review of the Rev Pro Package Back Show. Um, we can all check out from the uh, from the Guild Hall. So check all that stuff out. We're all very depressed. Do you know we'll what days we will miss though? Oh god, the days of the last couple of years. I feel like I'm at a funeral. This is like the, <laughs> the is this the last funeral. podcast that we've done? Oh, that's it. It's the scene's dead now. We've officially said that, haven't we, tonight? Indycorn.com is going to black. Home, people. Yeah. There's nothing to see here. Well, let's, I'm going to go go out and get cremated, you know. <laughs> Guys. It is, there is, I mean, it's, it, you know, British wrestling is still alive, for God's sake, and European wrestling. But for how long? <laughs> Find out. Tune in next time. <laughs> that's us for the show. Bye. Okay, does that sound better now at that point? It's got right up to the top. Yeah. Okay, so, Joe, you talking to it as well? Uh, on the motherfucking microphone coming <laughs> to your zone. I'm a renegade rapper. Yeah. Cheers for the outro, Joe.